For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. I know what the world is coming to earlier in the week. Of course, we woke up to the death of Miriam Burns, who who died and uh, lost her life in her own home, brutally killed. And then, hard to believe yesterday, uh, an Irish man by the name of Thomas O'Halloran, an 87-year-old, heading out with his accordion, his box accordion, to raise money for the Ukraine in his mobile in his mobile scooter, and he uh, is murdered on the streets. It's just absolutely horrific. It dominates many of the front pages this morning, uh, not overseas, but here in this country because people just can't believe it. I want to go quickly to Kieran McKenna, um, who actually met uh, the late Thomas Halloran O'Halloran on a number of occasions, and they chatted from time to time, and Kieran joins me by phone. Kieran, good morning. Hi, Neil, how are you? I'm good. Listen, thank you so much for taking the time. It's hard to believe that this could happen at any time, but in the middle of the afternoon, um, how are people processing us? I mean, you knew, you knew him, didn't you, to talk to I met me on a few occasions, yeah, he's, um, it, you can only say he's a, he was just a lovely guy, and that's not, not just me just saying that, he was genuinely, like, from the times I met him, he was just a genuine, gentle soul. Um, people here processing it, I think it's hard to come to terms that something like that, like you said, it is very hard to come to terms with what happened. It's just it's unheard of, let alone, like you said, at any time of day by an 87-year-old man. In a mobility scooter, and some guy yeah. stabs him to death. And I know there's a big police investigation as to whether it was money motivated or not. But he he would he would play his accordion outside Tesco, was it? He was he was well known to be uh, playing the accordion, wasn't it? Yeah, the accordion he played. He also played the mouth organ um, outside Tesco. He'd often do the the local tube station Greenford as well, all to raise money. And like, even if he didn't raise money, people smiled at him. He'd have the best crack. Like he'd smile back at him. He, he just, he was just a nice guy. Yeah, really wasn't like well. Yeah, do you have the chats with him? I, I believe he was originally born in County Clare in Ireland, and probably went That's over there right, to work yeah. and maybe raised a family. I don't know. That's right. He, he, from, from what I gathered from him, he, he was um, he's from uh, Ennis Diamond. Yeah. in County Clare. Um, I got talking to him one day. We, I, I happened to be wearing an Irish football jersey, and you know that look you kind of give each other that you know you're kind of like the Irish background sort of thing. So that's how we got talking. I play music over here, so we started talking about the old times of like the Dublin's era and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. He just he just loved it. He would talk to anyone. He was just a gentle soul. He really was. It was. Um, it's just even I can't get my head around it. I've put, put a video on, online. It's just gone a bit mental but it's just, it's, I can't believe it honestly that you won't see him again let the police get yeah. on with their investigation I believe he went over at the age of 16 so he probably went over to get a job and to work and spent his whole life there but never forgot his Irish background because you did record a, a little bit of, of Thomas back in the day playing the accordion didn't you? yeah that's right yeah he was playing Boon um, Vogue wasn't he? that's the one that's the one he was playing is right yeah Isn't that heartbreaking, Kieran? It's disgraceful, honestly. It really is. We've just been told over here as well. I don't know if you know, but a man has been arrested on suspicion of murder. This is heartbreaking news. Forty-four-year-old man in custody on suspicion of the stabbing and the death. Mother of God. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. 
people do, do, as people go about their business do, are they are they very cautious and very suspicious and, and worried about who's around them and where they are and the time they're out um, I wouldn't say um, before this happened I think people are a bit like weary I suppose when it gets to like night time over here like I think as you would in any kind of city but I think since then it's just obviously like hard to comprehend how, how it happened at like four o'clock in the afternoon, broad daylight, and a hot day in the summer. So on a, on right next to a really busy road as well on the, on the way into London. Yeah, I'm just reading more about him. Apparently, he would travel back home to Clare every single year, only up to about ten years ago, when maybe he wasn't able to travel as much. But every year he would go back home visit his friend. I mean, his his funeral arrangements will be... You don't know anything about that, do you? Who'll handle those? I, 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 I wouldn't know anything about that, no. Not, not, not yet. I would imagine that people are probably leaving flowers and cards at the scene. Um, as far as I'm aware, I haven't seen anything because the, the police obviously still had that cordon off yesterday. So, so so, so sad. Listen, Kieran, thanks for, thanks for taking the time this morning. I know others are looking for you, so I let you get on, but I appreciate you taking the call. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks, man. Cheers. Bye-bye. Kieran McKenna was actually born in London himself, but his parents are from Kerry and also Limerick, hence the Irish jerseys and the name McKenna. It's very sad. It makes all of the papers today busking, uh, heading off to busk, uh, as he did regularly, and often for charity. And he was heading to busk on that afternoon uh, to raise money, uh, to send funds, to support war-ravaged Ukrainians and Ukrainian refugees. Heartbreaking. Uh, other stories making the papers today. I don't mean to move glibly along. It, it is very, very sad. Other papers, of course, carry different stories of sadness. One of them is a hundred desperate tenants queuing up to view a single Dublin property. It's a three bedroom. There was at least a hundred of them. One of the chaps on it filmed and he said, I turned up to a street with a hundred people stood in front of me as if we were lining to go up to an, into a nightclub. Uh, and the uh, queue started because the viewings, if that's what you call them were for half past eight on a Tuesday evening. He eventually just went home. He says, this is insane. He said, uh, it went on the market on Monday. Uh, the rent was €1,850, Euro, described as a reasonable price. He says, I abandoned the queue after an hour because viewing or trying to get a viewing was just a lost cause. Why do people have to view? Why would 100 people be viewing a three-bedroom semi when all of this could be done online? You know, or is it that those that are renting the three-bedroom semi want to eyeball all of the people before they choose or has it to do with trying to get more rent? How does it work? I mean, you would have a hundred people queuing. Maybe they just need to see them all. Others then that feature, and I'd love your thoughts on that. Perhaps you've been in queues uh, for properties or maybe you're banging off email after email after email trying to rent somewhere and hearing nothing back. Text 0868104106, but blinding you with other stats. The Echo this morning says uh, that uh, 85,000 people are now on hospital waiting lists. Where? Ah, if you said Ireland, you'd be wrong. It's Cork. 85,000 people on hospital waiting lists uh, as of the end of last month in Cork, with 7,500 children being referred for mental health services turned away last year. So if children are being turned away from mental health services and there's nearly 8,000 of them a year, can you imagine how many adults are being turned around, turned away or how many adults, as we've seen over the past few days, who aren't being listened to uh, or having their issues discussed in detail to help them recover 
but instead are just being medicated and given tranquilizers and rushed out the door. So you've got 110,000 children on therapy waiting lists. So to say that our health system is working... And I don't think anybody would be brave enough, even a politician wouldn't be brave enough to say that. Because even within health, the Mirror this morning says the ambulances are breaking down. And emergency ambulances owned by the HSE have broken down 173 times since the statistics became available in the last four years. Uh, Mechanical failure. I mean, there's a lot of things that you could say could be dealt with better. But that's one that should never be happening. You know, it isn't if they haven't got enough money to mechanically keep the the, uh, ambulances in top-class condition and on the roads. And then, of course, to add to our homeless issues, and I spoke with a a female prisoner who was let out of Limerick Prison earlier uh, this week who um, is homeless. And there are many people who are literally left out of prison with nowhere to go. And they go straight then uh, to emergency homelessness services looking for somewhere to live. And that's a story from the Times today. There is a bit of an argy-bargy going on within the coalition. When isn't there? But the latest one has to do with the proposed increase uh, to unemployment benefit. Now, Fianna Fáil and the Greens want it. Fianna Gael do not. And the reason why Fianna Gael do not want any increase at all in the job seekers allowance, I think the proposal, was the proposal 15 euro, I think, that we're talking about? Or was it 25? One or the other to be added to unemployment benefit. Uh, Fianna Gael cabinet minister, unnamed, said it would not make sense to increase job seekers payments at a time when employers are crying out for staff. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Who's right in this? Fina Gale saying, give absolutely no more money to people on job seekers. They should be working. There's plenty work. Or, indeed, as the Greens were suggesting recently, the job seekers allowance should be increased by 50 euro a week. 50 euro a week. The proposal is 15, I believe. Uh, so, split in the coalition. I wonder what your thoughts are on that. One or two other kind of stat numbers. I saw a petrol station. I think Seamus actually saw it cheaper. I saw a petrol station recently uh, in Douglas and the price of unleaded is 189. Has somebody seen it at 186 somewhere, I think? Somebody was telling me. But let's say it's 189. Uh, the high we agreed here was in and around 225 for unleaded. So the papers this morning are saying there's been a sharp fall in petrol and diesel prices um, uh, and there could be further relief to come because the cost of crude oil is continuing to drop. So that's why you're seeing prices drop. So from the high to where it is now, there's been, I think, a 36 cent drop in the cost of unleaded. But it is a long way to come because soaring costs, when you look at inflation, and I won't blind you with economics or statistics, just in layman's terms, inflation has increased higher now than it was since 1982 because of food stuffs, by and large. Now, it has to do with, um, you know, issues around energy costs, the price of packaging, also the cost of um, animal feed as well drives up inflation. You know, guys that could have been paying 150 euro for a particular load of fertilizer or animal feed are now paying 700 for it. You see those kind of things. But by and large, it's food items. Things like, um, they break it down in the English Times this morning where they say, the price jumps like bread, cereals, milk, cheese, eggs, margarine, butter, uh, lettuce, tomatoes, all of those things, flour, milk, you know, even down to the price of salmon fillets. That's what's driving inflation by all accounts. And that's the big issue. Uh, a lot of other stories making the papers today. I'll come back to them from time to time. But I do love this one where they talk about the loyalty of dogs, right? Um, I, I think this is pure and utter bunkum. I really do. But apparently researchers are saying they took six dogs, right? And they broke them into two different groups. One group of dogs they were selfish to. The other group of dogs they continually gave treats to. 
right? Over and over and over again. And after they kept doing this, they even swapped the dogs, right? Stuff like that. After they did it, the results came in showing that it made absolutely no difference whatsoever to kindness and friendliness and loyalty of the dog, whether it was one of the dogs that got the treats or one of the dogs that didn't get the treats. They say the results showed that on the whole, the dogs did not appear to remember or seem to care which person had been generous in both situations. They still ran up to and were loving and kind and wagging the old tail to even the selfish people. I don't know, maybe that's just the good heartedness of dogs, or else the research is flawed. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868-104-106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. Texter says, let's have zero sympathy for landlords with sky-high rental prices. The reason why many are leaving the rental market is because of electronic payments and the end of the cash culture, um, which formerly could not be seen by revenue. With cash leaving now, revenue see everything. We've heard so many landlords who do not want to sign rent books and there are no prizes for guessing why. The cashless society will bring more compliance with revenue obligations and we should welcome it to clean up this corrupt little country of ours. But in particular, have no sympathy for landlords when they talk about, he's saying, I suppose when they talk about, uh, you know, uh, the fact that they need to get out of the market because uh, there's no profit in it. Or indeed, this is a good time to sell. But a queue of 100. Anybody been in queues like that? Text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines. We've got Vince, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Are you on speakerphone? I am indeed. I'll just take it off there. Okay, that's the only one thing, lads. They don't work speakerphones on radio. Okay, you want to... I mean, that is just Tom O'Halloran's death and murder is beyond comprehension in the middle of the afternoon. Being in a mobility scooter, going off to Busk, you get stabbed to death for a few bob. It's absolutely appalling. And uh, it's great to read in the news they picked up the guy... Uh, the, he hasn't been charged yet, but they picked up a guy on, on CCTV, a very good image that was up online of the guy that they think has done it. Was it know? any wonder that and they my- did? He he was wearing a face mask, a COVID mask, but he had it down around his his neck. So his face was yeah. 100% visible. It was a very good footage. Now, my, my, uh, of course, on, on behalf of everybody in Cork, we sympathise with the family. What an appalling end. To, uh, to to a man to live to that age and he out busking and giving doing things for charity. Who deserves you know? that? Nobody. It's, but a man who was yeah. kind all his life, eighty seven, raised money exactly. for people who needed it, was a great member yeah, of the community. One of the most appalling sto- One of the most appalling stories, you know, of, of of recent times. But I think, unfortunately, that's the way society is going. I'll give you an example of my my story. Last week, I went to Duns and Tralee. North Circular Road, went in for a bit of shopping, came back out, my new car destroyed, and the driver drove off. Uh, small camera footage, very weak, went out onto Rock Street, which is a really busy street. Hundreds of cars come out of Duns and called the police, of course, to look at the car and the whole lot and report it. But the story is, all the cameras have been re- removed off the public spaces there. And it's the same in court under this GDPRN or whatever. GDPR, yeah, data protection. GDPR, data protection. I even spoke to Anglesey Street Garda on Monday, a a young lady inside there, and she said they had to do the same on Anglesey Street. So you compare London, right, 
They had to do what? what? Okay, I get to that part, but what exactly have they done? Turned off cameras? They, they under the, this GDPR, they've turned, they, you can't now have public or cameras, like even you, in your home, you can't have them on the street or the footpath, you know? Uh, that's the deal, because I put in cameras uh, because of antisocial behaviour. You can't have, and that's okay. the ruling. Let's just have, no, a, let's just have a look at this. Hang on a second, one second now. There was a three-year investigation into the use of CCTV, and Limerick City Council were then fined by the Data Protection Commission um, because they had more than 250 cameras um, in various parts of Limerick City, I guess, right? They got a €110,000 yeah. fine. Am I missing something here? Yeah. For having those cameras turned on, is it? Yeah, exactly. The, it, that's Mikey, he said legislation is now, he thinks, going through the Shannon. Uh, he, he he knows the story. He's the local councillor in Trilly That uh, and oh, okay, but no, I can I can deal I can deal it with you. I can, but well, let's deal with the facts just for people that are listening. Um, they were found to be in breach of GDPR in dozens and dozens of instances because they had CCTV yeah. cameras turned on in public areas. Even yeah. even though yeah. even though yeah. the guard Shakana said that they needed them. Of course, and if that's all, in my case, I would have, I would have the person's reg number today if there was a camera on Rock Street. And you, you know? were told something uh, similar in Cork, was it? Yeah, in Anglesey Street, the girl there told me the other night, Monday night, I asked her that, and she said, "Yeah, there's a load of cameras have been shut off because of this, uh, this, this ruling or law." You know, no, I think there is attempts to change it. But it, what an absolutely ridiculous ruling. Like, I went to Tesco for milk on Tuesday night. Two guys inside, outside Tesco, drug dealing. You know, where are the cameras there? Like, where I live, there's three and a half thousand people working. No cameras on the street. You know? So, so like, have all of the, have all of the public people? CCTV cameras, which I imagine the Gardaí can either get recordings from or can... I think Anglesey Street has an entire department with just banks of monitors. Are they all turned off? No, no that's a big, big question. What level of cameras are on and what level of cameras are off? But the story in Tralee is they've all been... In Tralee, the Gardaí told me, quite a considerable amount of them, the one on Rock Street, there's no camera on Rock Street where That's I was done. That's Tralee, you know? where you're talking about. And I'm it's quoting really, Limerick, yeah. and, and I, you've just told me that the guards in Cork told you the same. So how are people they, expected they to be kept off, safe? They, how are people expected to be kept it's, safe? It's scandalous. Yeah, like, like I have very weak footage. And we know it's a Mondeo, we know it's grey. But I was wondering, is there anybody, a tech genius out there, who can enhance camera footage to get a reg plate off it, you know, if there's somebody out there who knows about technology. That so they where did you get the footage if there was no camera on? There was one weak camera in Duns, uh, and uh, it picked that up. All right. There is one camera on a chiropractor shop down there, which I, I went away and I did all the investigation myself. The guardian in Trilly haven't come back to me yet, one week later. Right, you know, right. And the, the business... The businesses locally have been very helpful, you know, and, and, with their um, cameras. And can you actually see the reg plate? We can see the car, and you can very, you know, 
you, you can only see the outline of the numbers. I know, yeah. You need to like zoom in and grab and catch the plate, you know? Yeah. And uh, we tr- tried it by stilling it and, uh, you know, but it, it, I, I think there's a, there used to be years ago uh, where they used to send stuff to the UK to, uh, to get it, it done. Yeah. yeah. Listen, no, if you want, no, if, if somebody out there, yeah, if somebody wants yeah. to get in touch with me, can do it, and you can send me a screen grab of it. I'll pass it on to them. See if they can pixelate it so you yeah. can actually pick out the ridge. What but happened it, to the car? It, it, it's a new car. You see, that's why it's you know it's only like two years old, and all the side of it. When they drove in, they hit the car. I'd say the guy was on, or whether it was a guy or a woman, they were on the phone. They weren't concentrating on what they were doing at all. And the very minute they drove in, they reversed out and went out the same way. You know, it all happened in about two minutes. It happened at 12.58 last Thursday. And, uh, you know, when you have a new car and it's not being touched, like it's worse than if it was like a 10-year-old car. And, t- and how whatever. much damage? Like, did, Can you see them hitting it? You're, yeah, well, the, I've taken it to a couple of people and you're looking at 1500 two grand of it. All right, yeah. okay. You know? Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's I know. absolutely appalling. But the guy told me, listen to this, the guy, the security guy, if he had 90 incidents in a year of people bashing into one another, he said less than nine would would actually put a, a note on the car, the car. Less than the number of people today that own up to bash, or damaging your car is less than 10%. You know, isn't it an appalling reflection on society today? It is, but have a listen Uh, to this if you want. Uh, I got an email and a photograph sent to me a couple of days back. It says, it's a long shot, but I hope it works. I was in Dunn's in Bishopstown yesterday, Sunday, with my husband. We came out to find that someone had hit our car and drove off. A very kind person left this note on the windscreen. Only for them we would be left to cover the cost of someone else's wrongdoings. We would really love to find out who the person who left the note on the car was so that we can thank them. If anybody could help us, Neil, in finding or contacting them, we would be so grateful. They sent me a photograph of the note. It gives the registration of the car, which was a D-reg car, and under the reg it says, this car hit your car. And they left it mm. under the windscreen wiper. Isn't that nice? Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, that's, that's, a, that, that's exactly what you need in my case. All I'm looking for now is the reg plate, you know. And, you, and like, that grigs me that somebody got away with it, you know. Uh, that what, that's what really... Like, oh, I'd, I'd, lo- I'd love if, if you... I mean, I'd love... I hope that this emailer who sent me the screen grab uh, has been able to pursue this and... Uh, you know, yeah. uh, get the guards involved, or uh, but yeah, you know, you'd have but, to be able to but prove. The camera I know that situation, the camera situation is critically important for the city for the safety of the people. Okay, well, here's an example of the importance of cameras within within. Um, I I don't know, like, would it be forty eight hours, thirty six hours? I'm not saying that the, that I can't say much about it, but a man is in custody for the stabbing to death of Thomas O'Halloran, and the CCTV footage is the reason he was caught. And anybody in the security business now knows that the footage of cameras is really sharp and really great, you know? Uh, uh, and, uh, like, why they don't invest in this kind of stuff for drug dealing, for attacks, for, uh, you know, uh, people attacking each other? I just don't get it. You but know? is anybody it, at all concerned like, about GDPR that really that we shouldn't have somebody filming us as we walk down Patrick Street or down around the Keys areas? Well, or they, Therein lies the problem. But do you, do you want to protect the citizens of the state? Mikey Sheehy said to me, and it's PC gone mad. In public areas, you must have cameras to support the Garvey. 
It's, 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 it's as simple it's as that. Yeah, it's as simple. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. You're yeah. drug dealing in every single corner of the city. I think it's appalling. I'm going to find out if the cameras are off. We already called uh, Anglesey Street HQ, and they say they're not in a position to respond to our questions. But we could there go on to the yeah. guard. No, hang on. It's fair enough what they said. Yeah. They said you need to direct that question to Garda Press. So we're doing that to find out if, like Limerick or Tralee or CCTV cameras have been turned off. So let's find out. Yeah, uh, and uh, I, I think it's, um, I think it's appalling. I think, I think the way, the way we're running the country and the way society is behaving, like it really pisses me off. Well, actually, you, know, you should be also fed up with the fact that somebody would hit and damage cars and not leave a note and just drive off and hope yeah. not to get caught. It's yeah, just... I, had a, I had a very bad impression of Tralee. Yeah, when I left, I tell you one thing. Right. Uh, I know there are nice, decent people there, but, but you, it leaves a bad, bad, sour impression. Okay, pe- there's people out there that uh, you know that do Send that. Send me on yeah. that screen Thanks grab. You. you never know who might be listening. They might be able to pixelate it better for you, see if you can get a reg off it. All right. Thanks, Neil. Email Appreciate it. it. Email it Thanks to neilatredfm.ie. Cheers, Vince. Back after the break. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Corks Red FM. Just briefly remind you how important CCTV is and a lot of the CCTV involved in the murder trial that found uh, Karen Harrington guilty of the death of Santina Colley had to do with CCTV. I think Barry Roach was on air at one stage going through all of the different camera footage that was used in that trial. It was extensive, massively extensive. It's as, it's as important now as, you know, when you're investigating murders and you have somebody's mobile phone, you're able to find out where they were and what time they were in a place because of the pinging of the masks. Masks, I should say. Uh, text 0868104106. Hold on there, uh, John. I'll get to you in a couple of seconds. We're going to chat with Sarah first. Sarah, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And Vince touch, touched on the world that we live in now where people would uh, prefer just to scarper and get away from the scene faster than confessing and owning up and leaving a note if they damage your car. What's the story with you? Yeah, I had it happen to me this year. Um, I have a van for work and um, I didn't. I wouldn't have even known it was there. Only my dad spotted it when I pulled up into his drive and someone reversed into the passenger side um, and with what looked like a hitch and completely buckled in the door and I ended up having to get a brand new door put on. Well, it wasn't brand new. I'm sure it was second hand. Of course, you wouldn't, you wouldn't see it because you got into the driver's side. You wouldn't see the other side yeah, of the car. Yeah, and when I'm getting materials for work, I would always be going to the back. I never go to the side door at all. Um, it was absolutely gutting to have happen. It was at a time where I was off work um, and I wasn't planning to be off work and it, it set me back an awful lot to get that done and it was just so disheartening that people <laughs> would do that and not leave a note. Yeah, I mean that cost you just under €1,200. Uh, did that go through insurance or did you end up forking out yourself? No, I forked out myself because I didn't know what the impact would be then on my insurance going forward. Uh, was it a car park in a shopping centre or something like that? Uh, I, it had to have been because in between, I, I work with clients in their homes and between homes I'd be pulling into shops and getting bits and bobs so it would have had to been somewhere in around there um, but God knows where it happened. Yeah, but I it would have been know. very evident to the person that drove in your door that they had driven in your door like it's something they oh, wouldn't have. Oh, absolutely. It was a good bang in. Um, there was no way to, to, to get it to beat out or anything. I had to get a new door. Why do people just drive off, do you think? Because they don't want their insurance to go up, is it? 
I don't know. I think it's the financial implications. Um, you know, like that. If I was to hit someone else, the first thing I think of is, oh, what's this going to cost me? Um, but that's my mistake. You know, um, I just think some people out there maybe they financially can't afford to own up to it. But like what you said, we we all have insurance. I can go through the insurance. You said in your text you were off work due to burnout. How are you feeling now? Are you tired? Were you tired and worn out from it? Yeah, yeah. I um I, I work with um children with developmental disabilities and um intellectual disability and you know, it's a whole other story but it's I, a full on busy. job, isn't it? It's a draining I shouldn't be this busy, you know, I shouldn't be this busy. these services should be coming from the public system, unfortunately it's not. I know, um, I know, I know. What does burnout re- re- result in? Absolute Pure and utter tiredness, is it? Worn out, can't get out of bed, yeah. is it? Well, I had to get out of bed, hail, rain or snow. Um, but I just found even, I, d- I didn't have time for anything. I couldn't even cook dinner. My partner was cooking dinners, uh, walking the dogs. I was just consumed with work. Yeah. I was yeah. just overstretching myself, really. Fixated on work and just yeah. unable to do anything else. No energy just to do the normal yeah. things in life. Put one yeah. foot in front of the other. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Hope you're in a better place now. Um, oh, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think. I think. I think shopping centre car parks are lethal. Anything can happen. It can be yeah. a car. It can be a smack of another person's door. It could be one of those damn um, shopping trolleys. You're just. It's a lottery yeah. in those car parks. It really is. Like the the mechanic said, it looks uh, definitely like a hitch went into it. Yeah. And you know, if it was in a car park where we're all parked side by side. I don't think it would have been possible for that to happen, but maybe in a garage um, where someone just kind of came out and then smacked into the side yeah. with the, the back of their car. I hear you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, it was just, it was, it was gushing. <laughs> That's the world we live in, you know, unfortunately. Anyway, look after yourself, Sarah. Thanks for taking the call. Thank Cheers. A couple Thank of texts you. on this. Hi there. There's a camera in the men's and women's toilets in my local pub. Surely that is totally illegal, absolutely disgusting that they think it's all right to be recording people while they're using the toilet. Don't, isn't there something about cameras in loos that you can have a camera in the loo, but it has to be trained towards the sink area or the floor, that it can't be on urinals and it can't be anywhere near cubicles. So you can't have cameras over cubicles or things like that. Uh, I know, I think that is the case in some fast food restaurants uh, and, and they have cameras in there. Uh, one of the reasons they have cameras in there is apparently because people might be trying to set up a fall to claim in a toilet, claiming, you know, water uh, was on the floor. But I think, I don't know about pubs or what have you, but I don't know, is there some way that they're allowed to have cameras in loose as long as they're not in the more private areas, like the floor area? around the sinks. Anyway, I'm open to correction on that. Um, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106 and we'll come, we'll come back to that in a few minutes' time. From yesterday, a uh, lot of texts on different topics of conversation, including my chat with Marion. Now, we have swapped numbers with uh, Marion, who uh, was uh, sexually assaulted and raped at a party. She was only 22 years old at the time, was in, inside in a bed staying overnight and it was a very harrowing, honest and open conversation I had with her yesterday. But she was talking a lot about the mental health services and the psychological services available through the HSE and how you're more of a number 
and that they never actually want to sit down and to drill in and do a deep dive into how you're feeling. That is kind of a rush job. Um, you know, we don't want to know the consequence of the reasons why you are. We just want to know, do you tick all of these different boxes and then give you medication? And that's not the first time I've heard that, certainly in the last few days. So on Marion's conversation with me yesterday morning, when I was depressed, I went to my doctor and was referred to psychological services. When I went to talk about my problems, to work them through, the psychologist said, I have 30 minutes to diagnose you and prescribe medication. At the time, they put me on Seroquel, uh, but it's only a mental band-aid. You can't take medication for your entire life. I paid for a private psychologist and worked through my issues. The HSC needs to review their policy on mental health. So that individual was told, I have 30 minutes to diagnose you and prescribe medication. So I'm quite sure that even the psychologist who was dealing with you didn't want it to be that way, but probably has so many people to see and is so overworked uh, that has no other option but to say, I have a time frame, I have more to see, this is the best I can offer you. Morning, everyone's life is like a tapestry. Sometimes these tapestries get vandalized and need repair. First step is to lay it out flat and assess the damage before the slow process of sewing back the pieces to bring it back to its former glory. Beautifully said, Billy. Thank you for that. Uh, I just lit some candles for, for that girl, Marion. Uh, I go to Bruno Healing Group and it changed my life. They're in Cork, they're in Limerick. Trust and believe in the rosary uh, because a small bit of prayer is amazing, uh, says Anthony. Uh, your conversation with Marion is heartbreaking to listen to. Sounds like it touched a nerve with you as well, Neil. That poor girl, such a hard life for her. It would be great if she gets the help she needs and a happy follow-up call down the road on your radio programme. Yes, that would be lovely. It did touch a nerve with me on behalf of everybody, but I suppose as a parent, although my daughter is somewhat older than 22 or 24 now, it really hits home when you have children yourself. Well done in your conversation to Marion and giving that poor girl a potential lifeline. Yes, um, she will be in touch and chatting with uh, the great work of Mary Crilly and her crew. I hope she will get the help she so badly needs uh, uh, that scumbag will reoffend. That's the awful reality of this. Uh, morning, I was arrested under the Mental Health Act and I can tell you the system does not work properly. Medication is not the answer. I can't go to my doctor anymore. I can't deal with the medication. That's not the first time, actually. I've had off-air conversations with people who have been on various forms of medication and it made them worse. I had a chat yesterday with a girl who said that she was medicated time after time after time after time and in her belief, the medication made her worse. Among other things, constant drowsiness, uh, not being able to wake from sleep, dribbling, utter depression. Uh, her mental and physical reaction times were slowed down to a crawl. She spent two years telling those that were issuing the prescriptions that they were making her worse. Uh, she had numerous suicide attempts because of it. Eventually, apparently, everything changed when one particular fairly savvy nurse picked up on it and actually did listen to her um, and then did some extra checks in a Cork hospital where it was found that her blood pressure was so low, it was dangerously low, that she was at risk of, of actual cardiac arrest and death. Um, she, in the conversation I had with her, she is now off all medication. I'm not for a second suggesting that people should stop taking their meds. Good God, do not do that. Uh, but she is now off all medication has turned her life around uh, with the help of all sorts of private counselling 
and is in a much better place now. Can I mention actually the number for Sexual Violence Centre in Cork should you think you need to reach out? It's a 1-800 number 496-496. It will connect you with the Cork Centre. 1-800-496-496. Thanks for that. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Uh, we'll see what Garda Press have to say with regards to a CCTV camera footage and what the Guardian Cork have access to under data protection laws. They need to iron that out. They really and truly do. They may not even respond. They may even say, we can't respond to that because of operational reasons. I don't know we'll find out. But I did get an interesting response because I got an email in saying please don't give up my details because I work as a member of staff and we were talking about mental health services uh, earlier in the week, indeed yesterday. I work as a member of staff in St. Stephen's near Glanmire and I'm writing to you as a staff member out of absolute desperation. So far this year we have had a number of incidents with inpatients that have put members of staff at risk. There is no security on site during the day. At 11pm at night a watchman at night comes on duty until the morning. Uh, but is not trained in de-escalation of incidents or situations. I think there's a big difference between security and a, a night watchman, isn't there? Anyway, even if he was, he's on his own and is not enough to assist us staff. Gardaí have been called to the facility on three occasions so far this year to deal with suicidal or violent inpatients. On one occasion, deodorant was sprayed in the face of one staff member. A second incident involved a patient carrying a knife. A third incident involved a patient throwing furniture at, a mem- at members of staff who were trying to prevent that patient from taking their own life. They are misfortunes, the people who find themselves in situations like that. I understand that. Uh, the email says, there is no CCTV, but I'm not even sure. that There is CCTV, but I'm not even sure if it's operational. Management are aware of the same for the past four years, but the status quo remains. Now, um, I don't know as to whether um, there you have approached your union or what area of work you're working in as a staff member in St. Stephen's. Perhaps you're a now. You might well be a nurse. You could be a medic there. I don't know. Uh, but I wonder what your union has to say on the matter. Are they making representations on behalf of of your of your uh, your workplace to uh, the healthcare facility? But we did ask and query. Um, and got a response from the Cork Kerry Community Healthcare Group who, who deal with issues like they didn't answer any of the questions and they, and they said they can't comment on individual cases, cases uh, when to do so might reveal information in relation to identifiable individuals breaching ethical requirements. I, I, I do understand that, but some of the questions are, are, are fairly straightforward as to whether or not the CCTV is on, as to whether or not there's security by day, as to whether or not there's um, security staff to, to help members of staff dealing with patients who need help or could find themselves, um, you know, in staff in a, put up against uh, patients who are violent. So they didn't answer any of that, but they, they go on to tell us about that any acts of violence or aggression occurring within the HSE are dealt with as a serious matter, and each incident is reported through the HSE National Incident Management System. Uh, they also have um, different plans in place to ensure patients and service uners, users are kept safe from harm. So it doesn't really answer, and they, they then talk about the safety of employees uh, and things like that. They're committed to creating a safe environment within which to work or to be treated. Staff are trained effectively with skills and things like that to deal with people who are violent or have aggression. Um, that's all very well. That was That's a fairly standard response. It doesn't actually answer any of the questions, and I don't think it makes the emailer sent me uh, the email about it feel any better about their workplace 
so um, unfortunately, that's as much as I can give you. Uh, they wouldn't address the actual questions, so they weren't in a position to do so. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. I'm not so sure I've got much time, but I tell you what, I will have a chat with Eileen and see how we go with the three minutes I've left. Eileen, good morning. Hello, Eileen. Who are we looking for? We're looking for a gene. Well, he, like I say, Eugene, but he was always known as Gene yeah. O'Driscoll. Right. Why are we looking Let's for tell him? You where he came from. Yeah, yeah. He, he grew up in railway cottages in Anglesey Street. All right. Railway cottages in Anglesey Street. Yeah, okay. it's down by the, the guard station past the guard. Well, Skiddy's home there. Right, okay, line. okay, yeah. And what's the backstory to Eugene O'Driscoll? Who, um, did you grow up together he, or something? They grew up together. You see, my husband lived in the tenements in South Terrace. And they, they met in school. The tenements where on South Terrace? Um, by the, the Lee Press. Tenements. When you say tenements, yeah. what do you mean by tenements? There would be big, high, high, um, nearly three, four, five-story houses there in South Terrace. As you're driving up which side of the road? Um, it, well, I mean, it's one way, isn't it, South Terrace? Yeah. Well, if you're coming up the South Terrace, it's on the, they're on the right. The big red buildings. The big, big, tall buildings. Right. Yes. Were they, they tenements were, they back tenements. in the day? There was they lots were. of families they in were. there, were they? Yeah. My yeah. husband lived in one of those for years until he was 16, and then they moved out to Belbian. Right. But yeah. the thing is, he was actually with my husband the night I met him in the Arcadia, and that was in 1961. Down and the Ark. Yeah, down the Ark. <laughs> But um, he, um, you know, we were in contact then for a good, but you know, back then there was no phone. No, there wasn't. No. So the only time we could get contact is like when we'd meet and we'd contact to say we'd meet again sometime. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. when Jean's parents died, that we kind of lost contact after we got married, both of us. But then... My husband died, God rest him, uh, in 2004. Yeah. But I know uh, Jean was around then because he was at the Mass. I wasn't talking to him, but one of my family told me he was at the Mass. And then sometime after he died, I was going to town one day, and I actually bumped into him. And, Many years um, later, well after 2004. No, 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 not, not very long after. Right. I'd say maybe six months after. right. And um, we still had no uh, corresponding um, phone calls between each other. Yeah. So he was married to a lovely girl called Mary. Now, she, now, gee, now, like, at the moment, no. God, I hope he's still around. He would be in his 80s. And why are you mad keen to get in touch with him all these I, years later? I don't know. You see, I've always wanted to. But I think when COVID came in, do you know how you go back in... You're in time thinking about yeah. it. And I always wondered, um, the, the, on, the only address I had for him was in Glowntown. I didn't have a name of a house or anything. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's all I knew. Yeah, okay. You just and want to hook I, up with him again, see how he is, have a chat and a cup of tea. That's all I want to know, if he's still there or uh, maybe if, if, if there's anyone listening, his family. I know he had a couple of boys. 
Yeah, that's a perfectly normal way to feel, actually. And without hogging your story, I have a pal that I haven't seen in years and I have two different yeah, numbers yeah. from him in my phone. He's down in, yeah. living in Kinsale and stuff. I haven't seen him in years. Yeah. But over, during, you know, in COVID, we did those kind of things. We thought about, you know, things that we yeah, valued and the people that we get no, on with. I hadn't seen him in years and I've been trying to track him down. He's not, and the phone numbers yeah. have been changed and all those kind of things, you know? Yeah. I'm 82 now and I would love to know if he's still around all right. or if he's gone one way or the other. Okay, okay, okay. Eugene O'Driscoll, Driscoll, known yeah. to his pals as Gene O'Driscoll, would be in his 80s. He was born and, my and reared. was Michael, Michael Murphy, known as Tacker. <laughs> his nickname. <laughs> Why was he known as Tacker? Was he a shoe? Was he a shoe? Because when was they were playing cowboys, no cowboys, and they was playing at attack. Attacking. <laughs> <laughs> did that stick with him? Yeah. It did. It did. <laughs> Actually, the I have a buddy. I have a buddy, and his nickname is Curly, and he's as bald as a coot. But eventually, he had curly hair as a kid. <laughs> he never liked his name. He said, "Michael." Says, "I sure I can't call you Tacker." <laughs> 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 All right, look, I don't have much time now, but Eugene O'Driscoll, oh, known as Gene, was born and reared in railway cottages, and you're mad keen yeah. to reconnect with him. And oh, you're, yeah. and you're oh, Eileen, what's your surname? Murphy. Eileen Murphy, and it should ring yeah. a bell with somebody in that area. It Who should, knows? It should, right. yeah, definitely. I hope it does. Now Let's see, all right? Let's see, Eileen. All right. Take care. Okay. Okay, all the best. So if Eugene is listening or anybody that knows of him, um, and he remembers Tacker, his good buddy who passed away in 2004. Get in touch, please. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. I said to me recently, hello, Neil. Hello, my love. Love the show, boy. Quick question. Do you ever get annoyed when people call you Niall? It's weird, actually, because these questions come like buses. They come in twos. Please, 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 when people talk to you on air, can you please tell them that your name is Neil and not Niall? Don't know about you, but it drives me absolutely bonkers. So sorry. I'm so sorry that it upsets you guys because it doesn't upset me at all. I just get so used to it. It don't bother me no more. But I did see a lovely article in Cork Bio. Uh, online there recently and it's all to do with Cork mispronunciations uh, they, the mispronunciations in Cork incidentally make perfect sense to Cork people um, there was a guy on the air in Seamus's Vox Pop yesterday said um, uh, he was saying we were talking about Tanora you know making it a um, a protected product a bit like um, you know Cornish pasties or stuff like that or champagne and he was saying Tanora was the only thing that killed the thirst K-I-L-T. And the article in Corpio is, is lovely. Actually, it does, it does actually mention as one of the mispronunciations on Lee's side, my name. <laughs> People call me Niall instead of Neil. But the other parts of it are very funny. They really are. And if I could just, t- I'll come back to the phone calls in a minute if you don't mind. But um, they drill into different uh, pronunciations. Firstly, the common uh, parlance of everybody finishing a sentence in Cork with the word boy. How you boy or girl, a grand girl. They, uh, they also go on then to say that we don't say Google in Cork. We say Google, Google, G-I-L-L. They say, of course, we use the word decent for decent. Instead of do you know, we say Jano, as in J-A-N-O, Jano. There's another one that I don't really recognize too much, but apparently instead of what's happening, we say zappen. Sappen, 
So that's a new one on me anyway. We all know that I will, yeah, means absolutely not. Um, it wasn't yesterday. We wouldn't say it wasn't. We'd say twadn't. Twadn't. Great word. We also have beautiful words to describe people like allergic. I'm allergic to him. She's septic. I'm weak. They're not medical terms, according to Cork Bio, allergic, septic and weak. <laughs> They're just Cork terminology. Um, someone or something you can't tolerate, of course, would be septic. Um, anyway, one or, two, one or two other ones. You know, the, the little thing that you chop up first, you put it on the pan, is commonly known as an onion. Not in Cork, it's not. It's called an onion. You don't eat sandwiches in Cork. You eat a sandwich. I had a beautiful sandwich in the Long Valley. Um, uh, Iron Throat is not something from Game of Thrones it was a hospital out on College Road up along there the eye, ear and throat commonly known as the Iron Throat (laughs) we say snaky instead of sneaky your poor snaky boy we say wazzy instead of wasp that big huge massive area of water in Cork is not known as the Pacific Ocean it's known as the specific ocean <laughs> and then the opposite is true instead of saying I, I just want to make one specific point in Cork we say I just want to make a Pacific point <laughs> what's another instead name? Another, I gotta say, yeah. well, instead of um, for all intent and purposes right in Cork it's, it's for all intensive purposes <laughs> We don't have New Year's resolutions in Cork. Apparently they say we have a New Year's revolution. We should have a New Year's revolution. (laughs) It's a great article. Anyway, I'm finished. It's it's online in Cork, Bio. And you know that everybody from Cork is called to me? Come here to me! Come here, um, what would you you call another name for a movie? If you're going... Film. (laughs) A film. A film. The pictures. The pictures. A film. But you know you were saying about kind of shoving words into each other. I just put a note up for you there. Like, in French... If you, the word for, I, you know, if you said, I do not know. Je ne sais pas. Je ne sais pas. But in France, in France, if you said, je ne sais pas, they would look at you as if, like, typical tourist now, doesn't know anything. They do that to me all the time when well, I talk yeah. to them. <laughs> They're awful, the French. <laughs> I talk to them in French, they answer me in English. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but in French, it's, je pas. Je pas. You'd never say, je ne sais pas. Can we keep it local if you Yeah, no, sorry, sorry. The sorry, most sorry. French. <laughs> Appreciate it all the same, though. Anyways, lovely Corkisms and Cork Bills, so pick up on those if I've missed any. Text 0868104106. Thank you for that. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. No, but seriously, there was an excellent point made by Vince this morning that within 24, maybe 36 hours, a man was arrested and has been questioned for the death of the pensioner, the Irishman from County Clare, Thomas. Sir Halloran at the age of 87 who was stabbed to death as he was going along on his mobility scooter to busk with his accordion to raise money for refugees. The um, actual CCTV camera was incredibly powerful and they just got a front of the guy's face and he running away with a knife. So we'll let the police get on with their own uh, investigation in the UK there. And then it led us on to uh, Vincent saying that there are issues with CCTV all over the country where CCTV systems are being turned off because of GDPR breaches and councils have been fined. Limerick was fined 110 grand for, ca- for, for cameras that they had under data protection. And I was curious as to what the situation was here in Cork. And then I heard in the 10 o'clock news, uh, the former Lord Mayor Councillor Colin Kelleher saying that he's meeting Drew Harris to get more uh, guardy on the streets of Cork to prevent antisocial behaviour and what have you. I think everybody would agree with that. He joins me by the phone. Colin, good morning. Good morning, Niall or uh, Neil. 
I don't mind either. Either or both is fine with me. I'm good. Now, uh, nobody can disagree that there is a need for more. But I was astonished to hear. Uh, it shouldn't surprise me because uh, I, about three or four months ago, I had to visit a Garda station to try and get a form signed. Douglas was closed. Mahan was closed. Not a car in the driveway. So Douglas, Mahan, both closed in the afternoon. I eventually went to, uh, to Toker. You're saying that in Ballancolig, uh, it's only open, what, a couple of hours a week, is it? So, look, the station isn't... We have a 24-hour guard station in Ballancolig. It's just not open to the public 24 hours of the day. Um, so you knock on the door, nobody will answer? No, we've, they have issues with staffing for front of house, uh, front counter. Um, no, um, myself and ward councillors met with the chief superintendent, uh, Mr. Myers, recently. And, um, you know, the Gardaí are undergoing a national review to get civilian staff, administrative staff, to man their front of house counters to allow rank and file Gardaí deal with, you know, matters for on Gardaí rather than having them, you know, pushing pencils yeah. at a front desk and passport applications and stuff like that. Um, that is yet to come. Um, and what's happening is... We don't have enough guardian in Cork. The dogs in the street know that. Um, but what guards we do have dispersed around the stations um, have to go on patrols. They have to be in court if they're uh, involved in a case. And that can take away manpower. And um, what's happening is, in, not just in Ballancolic, but in other guard stations, is um, we don't have regular hours to access to the public for okay. farms, okay. farms and stuff like that. So, so Ballancolic Guard Station operates three hours a day and is closed on Fridays and Saturdays. Um, I saw that. I saw that on the so, uh, uh, circulation on social media. Yeah. Um, and that could be said of Douglas and Mahan. And perhaps other ones as well. I don't know. Yeah, maybe Watercourse so, Road is the same, is it? I don't know. Those those, those hours are incorrect. Um, like the Garda station, they do their roster for the week. Um, and I know the guards, they put up the sign on the Garda station door on what day, what time they're open every day, you know. Um, you, you won't get access to it on a Sunday. Um, you, you, it's limited on a Saturday, but you, I've been in there on Fridays. It is open. On but Friday, one Garda station that I visited actually had opening hours up on the door and it didn't correspond with the opening at all because when it should have been open, it was locked. And that's what can happen because if there's an emergency, if there's a call, the guards can be called away from the desk and the doors are locked. But listen, this is not a conversation being critical of Gardaí, nor is it a criticism of a chief superintendent who can only deal with what they have. I'm not saying that. This this has to go right back up to government level, your political, the party you're a member of. Right. Yeah, completely. And yeah. as chair of the Cork City Strand Policing Committee, myself and the chief executive will be attending the police, the National Police and Authorities uh, Conference in Dublin in early September. I'll be meeting with Drew Harris. Um, he's, there's an open invitation down to the Garda Commissioner to come down to Cork. Has he ever been to Cork, has he? He hasn't. Um, no, he had. He was committed to come to an in-person JPC meeting, but we had to put it online on account of COVID. But, he right, but in spite of that, how long has he Garda Commissioner? About two years, two and a half years now. At least, uh, and he's never been yeah. to the second city. You're telling me, yeah. you know, um, not. I haven't seen him down here anyway. Um, you know, I've met him at, uh, at a police and authorities briefing in 2019. Um, he was due to travel, but then COVID, and you know, and everything. Now he has addressed our JPC, and we all uh, public representatives, Arctus and council. So if he's never been down here, how has he any idea what's going on down here? 
Well, because that's why that's why we want him uh, to avail of the invitation we've extended to him and come down here and see for himself that we do not have enough cards on the street. In fairness to Chief Superintendent Myers, he's done a fabulous job since he came in, um, and he's following on um, on on the back of the previous Without a doubt. Uh, Chief yeah. Superintendent. Yeah. But the guards are stretched uh, beyond limit. Um, and you know you touched on it there in relation to CCTV cameras. Are they switched on or off? All the cameras in the city that are all, that are operated by the Garda Shirkhan are mon- monitored on a twenty-four hour basis. Why isn't there a GDPR data issue with that? They're, st- they're state-owned um, Garda surveillance traffic cameras. So that's what they, were, they were specifically done on that, primarily traffic cameras. The issues is when with, with Limerick is um, this GDPR, they were fined over 100,000 and other local authorities now are very fearful that they'll be slapped with a fine of the same thing. I think it's lunacy, to be quite honest. So is there the a set of cameras that the Gardaí have and are there other then cameras in particular sit- places that are run and operated by city and county councils? There would have been, uh, you know, and that's the same all over the country, the, tra- the guard, the traffic cams, you know, you have your own drive time there, you can look at the traffic cams in the tunnel and stuff like that, you know, um, and, you know, there seems to be no issues with GDPR there, and if, uh, you know, an accident happens or a crime is committed in front of those cameras, it can be used. Now, all private uh, CCTV cameras in businesses, um, there, I know you were, you were someone on there in Kerry about, he was trying to get access to someone hitting his car or something yeah. along the line yeah. of that. The guard, he can go in, they can they can request permission from the owner to uh, have access to the cameras. It's owners the, to the, uh, the owner's decision that he's the custodian of the data, he's the data controller essentially to give the guard permission to look at it you know, nine times out of ten they do but the guards cannot pass that on to a third but party. But what I'm trying to find out is why, was, why are county councils being fined? The Limerick County Council and Limerick City and County Council were fined over 100,000 euros in relation to, um, it was proved under the GDPR laws that uh, they were incorrectly uh, custodians of the data being recorded on those cameras. Which cameras? Uh, their own cameras? Yeah, their own cameras they had above in Limerick. And why did they um, have them there in the first place? The specific cameras in question, I'm not familiar with, need to be quite honest. But is the same them. possibly happening in Cork, that City you know, Council... Like we have uh, we had cameras in you know, Clashtoff Park when Christmas trees were being burnt and stuff like that. Um, and it is a kind of a very grey area, um, as I said myself and um, six of my ward colleagues in the Cork City South West Ward met with uh, uh, Garda management and met with management in City Hall. And um, the CCTV cameras was brought up at that meeting. And this kind of grey loophole area as who's the custodians of the data being recorded. Um, and the guards um, are at the kind of same position as, as city council. There's no clear indication as who's the data controller, and that's into where you want, run into the problem. And I think that's what happened above in Limerick as well. Yes, so, um, so if you were to, if the council were to put up cam- more cameras, um, they would be fined. I'm not saying they would be fined, but there's, 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 there's a fine line to walk that they have to be done in the correct manner. Like a, a private business having cameras pointed out onto a main street. In the GDPR legislation, technically, a certain point beyond that position of that camera, I don't know if it's at 100 feet or 100 metres or something, you're actually breaking GDPR laws. So but, it's lunacy. But don't, in other countries, there's no problem with it. Like in London, they have cameras everywhere. They have moving cameras. They have face recognition cameras. They do. They do. And they have them in New York and they have them in Washington. But don't, wouldn't people feel safer if we had all of that here? 
completely and I've been calling for that and in fairness public representatives have been calling for that for years but you know yet again I believe you know like it's within Ireland sometimes we adhere to EU laws a lot more regularly than other European countries you know um, and it's very frustrating like you saw the issue with the the, the burnings down in the regional park yeah. the mill being burnt Somebody the toilet burnt, yeah. you know yeah. and you had the, 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 the council playground burnt for a second time it's 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 a joke. It's gone beyond a joke now at this stage. And CCTV camera would 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 act as a deterrent. Uh, deterrent. But the other side of the coin is, you know, who's the custodian of it? Who's the data controller? And then you run into the legal minefield. And then if you get before a court, um, and you say, listen, we've caught, you know, John Swan from the lock or Mary Swan from the lock, um, and they're clearly visible on this. But where did you get the camera? And who was the data controller? And they could be thrown out on a technicality. And it's it's lunacy. Like it's absolute lunacy. You know. Um, I personally believe the GDPR uh, data in relation to you know social media content, in relation to email content, stuff like that. That's what it was designed for. But I think CCTV cameras kind of fallen in with it. How? Um, I, th- I think it needs to be relooked at. To be how, quite honest, how am I supposed to respond to a text that says, "Why in the name of God would Garda management decide to spend fifteen million Euro on Garda uniforms when what's needed is more Garda personnel. I mean, how can you answer a text like that? I don't know. 15 I, I million? Know I don't know either, to be honest with you, Neil. And obviously, they Garda have new uniforms and they're getting new uniforms for the 21st century, and it's very welcome. It makes them, you know, do their job a lot easier. Oh, I know that, but people will be saying prioritize what's important and is a new Garda uniform as important, say, for instance, as more admin in a Garda station or more Garda on the beat, I suppose. I think, the I, think I, I, I think, you know, it's it's part of an overall package of, of the review of Garda Sheikhala. Like, we're in the 100th year, the centenary year of Garda Sheikhala. They were founded in 1922. Um, and, look, their uniform has changed. I can remember years ago down the Palancolic when you were Sergeant Bo, they were dressed in the, what I would call in the FCA days as number ones. You know, they had the gold buttons under uniforms. And yeah. They were, they're, they're capped. They've moved on since then. Um, but like, you know, I, I, I was in Ballancolic yesterday um, coming out of Super Value after grabbing a sandwich and I saw two rank and file guardy coming towards me in the new T-shirts and it was slightly warm yesterday. And, you know, I said, Jesus, that's better than, than, you know, the lads having motorcycle jackets off. Yeah, on, you know? I know, but, but it, from the point of view of people looking, do, do people take, will, will people take them as seriously in these kind of new funky rig outs, do you think? I would hope so, a guard, a guard. But they're still a police officer at the end of the day, you know. Yeah. Maybe that's um, half the problem. Young people don't respect or even fear the guardy like maybe they should. Well, I know long ago, if I ever was down the village around Ballancolic and if I was misbehaving and I got a belt off a guard and I told my father I got another belt off him, but a different choice. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's right. Um, and that'd yeah. be the end of it. But it's, 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 we're living in a different era and a different age, I suppose. Um, you know, you have to have respect for members of Angada Sheikhana. You know, they're the custodians of our republic. Uh, they go out every single morning, 24 hours a day, 365, protecting us, minding us, making sure we're kept safe. And they put their lives on the line every single day of the week. So are you, are, are you saying that Ballancolly Garda Station operates more than three hours a day? Ballancolly Garda Station can operate three hours a day on one day, but some days it can operate more. It depends on what's available on that So day. it's kind of hit or miss in our Garda stations then? It is, it is, and it's the same in Blarney. Blarney uh, posts their um, their uh, hours uh, on a weekly basis. Ballancolic posts their hours on a weekly basis. Toker, Toker is always open because it's the district headquarters. Angus Street is always open because it's the, uh, the district headquarters. But the review of the Garda Sheikhan as a whole, the uniforms are a part of it, and look, they're obviously right. very welcome okay. members. Okay. But we do need more administrative staff, and when I meet with the commissioner in Dublin at the start of September, um, I'll be urging him to come and address our JPC 
which is later on in, in September, but also we need more guardian. Yeah, because the ones that we have are burnt out and exhausted and demoralised. Just just one second, you can hold on if you wish. John, you uh, are in the city a lot. Do you see many guards about? No, I don't. The city was policed a lot better in the 70s when we hadn't half the problems with, uh, with uh, antisocial behaviour. We had hardly any drugs whatsoever. If ever there was a case for a directly, a directly elected mayor, it is no. Because all I'm getting now, listening to this morning, and all I'm getting, any time I pick up the paper or turn on your station and I interview the politics of this city, right, that's all it is, waffle and spin. So How can it be waffle direct- and spin if a councillor on Leeside says he's going up to Dublin to eyeball Drew Harris? What's wrong I, I, with I'm that? Just, I'm just getting to that. Like, Colin Keller was a Lord Mayor for 12 months, right? The first citizen representing me and everyone else in this town, right? And yes, why he was Lord Mayor? Why didn't he call publicly for the girl, the commissioner, to come to Cork to meet him for the I second did. city? Because it's not being policed properly. No, Colin, hang on a second. You're playing politics. By your own admission this morning, you're getting information about what's happening in Ballincollig off of social media, right? You're playing politics with us. That's what you're doing. To get the commissioner here on Cork is Phil Moyers. He's playing politics because he won't rock the boat. And he won't say, I can't police Cork City and I just can't do it. He can't, with the members he have. can't say things like that because the chief super can't come out and say something like this that we've lost but, but the city. But that's what's wrong, you see. They're all playing politics. Watching their own asset, their pensions and their promotions. They're not Colin watching Keller. their pensions. The amount of work that's done behind the scenes, investigating crime and the minutia and detail that goes on to solving crime by members of the Guardian and detectives, we have no idea how much work they're putting into cases. There's no one dis- we have no there's idea no dis- what their caseloads there's, are like. There's, there's, there's no one disputing that. There's no one no, you can't dispute. I've spoken to loads of people who have been victims of awful assaults and rape and all sorts of issues in their life. And every single time, they compliment the Garda Shikana. They compliment no one, those that there's have... No one ha- there's no one have a problem and saying the guards that are there are not doing the best they can. There's even by Colum's own admission, there's not enough for them there. Everyone knows that. When you have somebody able to put a, a wheelie bin up on top of the, the head of Father Matthew, which must have taken half a dozen guys to do it, when you have people going around tearing out the floors, that's making the city look nice and clean and yeah, tidy well, and beautiful, that. right? I know that. There must be nobody... The invisible man must be watching the CCTV down in, in the Anglesey Street because to me, there's nobody monitoring it. And if there is, I don't feel safe going into town anymore at night time. I know a lot of people in this town, Neil, with very large disposable incomes, good pensions, will not go in and support the residents at night time anymore because they don't feel safe. And there's nobody speaking up for this town. We have three powerful politicians here in this, in this town. And they're playing politics with it. Colin Keller's playing politics. Why is he playing politics with it? Because politics. he didn't... If, because I, may, if he, I may come in. Yeah, go ahead. If, 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 if I may come in, um, you're, you're, I, I didn't get it. I didn't catch his name. John. John, 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 John. John, how are you keeping you well? Yeah, not um, too well. If, 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 if I may come in there, you, you, you said at the start there um, that, you know, I served 12 months as Lord Mayor. I did. Um, and I hope I served the, the city to the best of my ability. And to, to date, it's been the highlight of, of my personal political career. But you said I'm playing politics with it. I would disagree with you. As Lord Mayor, I called on four separate occasions for Drew Harris to come down and visit Cork. What do you mean call? Did you pick up the phone? Did you write to him? Did you email? What did you do? I did as JPC, as chair of the JPC, Cork City Joint Policing Committee. I wrote to him and extended an invitation, an open invitation, which is still there, and I'm sure he'll avail of it. So on those um, occasions I, when you reached out to him, as the angst would say, did you get a response? 
I did. I got a response and said, thank you very much. We'll take it into, well, I didn't get a direct response from him. It was his secretary above in the in Garda headquarters. The commissioner, it will be taken into consideration for the commissioner's diary and at an available time, the commissioner will visit Cork. He's committed to visiting Cork. Didn't happen, um, so you're asking again. Why wouldn't the Lord Mayor of Cork be able to pick up the phone as the city's exactly. first citizen and yeah. ring the Garda commissioner and get him on the end of a phone while you were in office? Precisely. I did do that and I spoke with him and I, we spoke about the upcoming policing authority uh, um, conference which is taking place and he's told he's committed to speaking with me privately. I was Lord Mayor when I rang him I would be J- Chair of the JPC when I meet him I'll be no longer Lord Mayor but more I'll be still bringing the same I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll still be bringing the same thing it's not more politics it's a fact I'm no longer Lord Mayor I, I'm still Chair of the JPC Look, um, when, when, when I see when I see whatever Lord Mayor is in the office going publicly on, on your station and on the front of the examiner and the evening echo right and saying, I have for three times I have asked the commissioner to come as the first citizen to my city because it's not been policed properly, and he has refused to come. Then I take he notice. Hasn't, he hasn't refused to come. Well, he hasn't not, come. Exactly, I agree. I'm not disappointed, but he hasn't refused to come. I'm not defending. Nobody said he hasn't come. That's the same bloody thing. The fact that he's committed to come, he's committed to speaking with me privately when we do go to Dublin, and I hope to get him down to the JPC. I agree with you 100%. He hasn't come, but you 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 touched on something there. Uh, at the start of uh, your, your your input about a directly elected Lord Mayor, um, I served as Lord Mayor for twelve months, and I've spoken with colleagues who've served as Lord Mayor for twelve months, and I wholeheartedly agree. Which I think we should have a directly elected Lord Mayor with executive powers, because obviously, yeah. you know, I've, I've, come that, office, yeah. I, I, I've come out of office, and as Lord Mayor. There is this perception that you so, know you're the mayor of the city and you, you do have executive functions, so, but you don't. Yeah. So you're why the then did okay? We understand. I know that. But why then, when the public had an opportunity to vote for a directed Lord Mayor, they voted against it? There was an opportunity four or five years ago. Simon Coveney was mad keen for that to happen. Didn't happen. That's right, Chad. There was a plebiscite in the last local Yeah, so people said no fell, to it. Why? It fell uh, very narrowly. I think it, it was, was narrow, but yeah. still it fell. And the people, and the people, and look, look, there's 51% of the population said they didn't want it, um, of the, the good people of Cork, and that's democracy, Neil. Um, Limerick voted in favour of it. Legislation has been passed at the moment. The Citizens' Assembly are meeting in Dublin in relation to have a directly elected Lord Mayor with executive powers. And you would basically how that office would look would be a merger of the reserve side of City Hall and the executive side of City Hall and you would have like the Mayor of New York or the Mayor of London But a city um, manager runs the city, right? That's that's true. Know. And Doherty's the boss, isn't she? She's the but boss. The, the city manager is not good. The city manager now is not going to call in the, the Commissioner Moyers below and also Superintendent Moyers below and, and, and give him a dressing down. We all know that's doesn't deserve a dre- He doesn't deserve a dressing down, John. He deserves our support. None of the well, guards no, deserve dressing down. Why, why does he deserve our support when our city is not in police Because properly? his hands are tied. His hands are tied. Because he, he can't, tied. he's probably they're crying out tied. from... They are. He's probably they're, crying they're out for more. Do you think that any chief superintendent on Side wants to have guard stations closed and a shortage of admin, admin staff and members yeah. of Vingarda yeah. Shikana spending eight hours inside an Angus Street courthouse? They're playing, they're playing politics with it. There's nothing to stop the local commissioner to come out right. and say publicly, I can't police this city. Oh, well, you can't be. Okay. I, would dis- I, I completely right. disagree with that. In defence of our chief superintendent, Mr. Myers, he's doing an excellent job. He's done an, an exemplary job since he's come in. He can only cut, cut his cloth accordingly. 
seemingly. And he has been screaming at Garda headquarters for more manpower, um, and as have local politicians, as have people nationally. And to say that he's not policing our city is is very disingenuous. Well, if people, Colm, if people don't feel safe in the city, if there's open drug dealing, anti-social behaviour, people being assaulted, people won't go to town anymore, there's something wrong. All right, let's see what the people of Cork think of it. Thank you, John. Text 0868104106. Just off topic, very quickly, as a member of Fianna Gael, you talk, John talks about waffle or playing politics with stuff. Are you aware, Colm, that uh, both Fianna Fáil and the Greens want to increase unemployment benefit by 15 euro and Fianna Gael won't do it? They, they, they're making people out to be lazy in, in the home, sorry, in, 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 and that they should get out to work. There's plenty of work. Where, where, are you, where do you come on that? Well, I'm a member of Fianna Fáil. Sorry, Fianna Gael. I, Fianna Gael, my, Fianna Fáil, my <laughs> So where, where do you come with regards to Fianna Gael saying, uh, no, people are lazy, there's plenty of work, they need to get out there and work? Look, there is a lot of work on the east side, but the other side of the coin, Neil, is people uh, that can't work and people that are disadvantaged do need a leg up. We are living in inflationary times. Um, you know, the, the social welfare that's been paid to people at the moment is reflective of... Was it 208 euro? Yeah, it's, 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 it's reflective of uh, society pre-COVID. Um, like, you know as well as anybody else, like the price of bread has gone up, the price of milk has gone up. So Fine, gone up. so Fine Gael are saying, get off the dole, there's plenty of work, go to work. Uh, but I don't know what Fine Gael are saying, but I know what Fianna Fáil are saying in relation to the upcoming budget- budgetary discussions. And um, we are, and along with the Greens, um, uh, asking for a modest uh, increase uh, for, for people in their social welfare. Um, and hopefully our partners in government um, will come but to the But they seem to see it differently. They seem to think that it's rewarding people who won't work and get everything for nothing. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't agree with that. Okay. To be quite honest with you, I don't agree with that personally. I think you know. Look, if people are able to work, they do go out and work. Um, I don't believe for any stretch of the imagination, Neil, that someone wakes up in the morning and decides they're going to milk the system left, right, and centre, and they're not going to work. You don't think that there are some people you doing know, that? You know, the, the, the majority. Oh, the majority of people are, are 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 good, decent people that will get up and try to make, you know earn a skin and get out and contribute to society. What if you have somebody who's long term dole? Those that just will never ever work and are quite happy with their 208 uh, different benefits that come with that and they could work but won't work. Should they be on the clock after six months they lose benefit or what? Other European countries do models like that, all right. Um, you know, but the other side of the coin is, I would say, like, you know, it's very easy to cast, cast aspersions on people that are, you know, um, on a uh, social welfare for a prolonged period of time. There may be mental health issues there. There may be family home issues. It's not one brush sweeps all, you know. So I think, you know, um, you know, as I said, other European countries do a model like that. We don't in Ireland. Um, I'm not saying for any stretch of the imagination that we should reform our social welfare system. I think we've one of the most... Um, you know, beneficial social welfare systems in, in Europe. Um, we do take care of uh, our, our society and our community. Um, and, you know, my party, Fianna Fáil, ha- has done that since the foundation, uh, almost since the foundation of the state, um, and will continue to do so, uh, to take care of those less well-off in society that need our help. All right, my man, take care for now. Good luck with Drew Harris. Text 0868104106, former Lord Mayor Cullum Kelleher. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Gorks Red FM. I talked to Susan in one second. These cameras are incredible. And I was talking about the death of Tommy, the 87-year-old uh, man from County Clare who was busking and uh, going along on his mobility scooter. Um, and there's a man in, in custody now um, because he fits the description of the person caught very clearly in CCTV footage running away with his mask down 
carrying a bloody knife. Um, cameras are amazing, and I think it also would really help the Gardaí in solving crime if they were everywhere. Don't know whether everybody agrees with that or not on the GDPR and data protection. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. I mention it because there's another example only this morning, right? They are um, reporting on a story on the independent.ie this morning of um, a young girl seven-year-old girl abducted and sexually assaulted in a wounded area in the greater Manchester area. She was taken in a van, sexually assaulted, and then left in the woods, found her own way home by all accounts. Now, incredibly, the CCTV footage, CCTV footage captured of the guy that they want to talk to is unbelievably clear. He was picked up not once, but twice by all accounts. Now, again, innocent until proven guilty, but they've already arrested one man launched an urgent hunt for the second on the basis of the CCTV footage that they have captured. Very clear footage, like slam dunk maybe in many cases where they get footage like this and it makes the case much faster, the process. So that's all I'm saying. But I know we spoke about issues regarding cameras being turned out, turned off um, and also mentioned the city or other areas like that. Cove has issues with their camera system. Middleton has issues with their camera system. Like, for instance, I believe that CCTV is not operational in Middleton since they were even put up. And I wonder, is it again GDPR and data protection? Uh, Fine Gael Councillor Susan McCarthy may be able to answer the question on behalf of Middleton, maybe even y'all. Susan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks for having me on. Are, are they both the same situation, Cove and Middleton? They are, unfortunately. Now, Cove isn't in my district. I know, but I, are they, are they, they suffering all, yeah, from the same know. issues of, what, what is it? Is it GDPR? Yes. It is GDPR, and um, exactly as as uh, Colin Kelleher would have outlined earlier, it is a case of the the local authority, you know, having difficulties, and it, it, it's like a quagmire, you know, trying to kind of. Um, get through it to make sure that you're doing it in a way that you cannot be what we've seen happening down in Limerick where, where, where they've been fined. So the, my understanding is it's actually very, very simple really. Um, the data controller and the data processor cannot be the same as the actual, you know, the, the guardie can't be the data controller and the data processor. If they need to take a case to court, they can't be seen to be, you know, they can't, you know, play out a boat you know, they, they need to, to have Why? an independent... I suppose, you know, look, at conflict of interest or whatever. You no, may, but they're you know, guards. They they're, they're, we, we trust guards to investigate crime. Otherwise, we wouldn't have uh, a guard of force. So let them get no, on with it. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, I actually... It, it, I find it very, very frustrating. It's, you know, I mean, like, there should be... It should be a very, very simple situation whereby um, they can subcontract it to a security company and that security company can then be the data controller and the data processor and the guardie then have access to it on tap so that these situations don't arise, you know? It, like, it's absolutely crazy that these situations but you are, to, are Apparently are something like 26 cameras down there cost €100,000. Um, they should be linked to Middleton Garda Station. €100,000 it cost, you're right, and it was back in 2014. And we were just, uh, look, I can't tell you how delighted we were to have these state-of-the-art cameras at the time. By the time these cameras actually become operational, they'll probably need upgrades because you know how quickly this technology moves on. It's just, it's, it's, it's been such a waste of money as well, you know, and I understand that the issue, look, we know, we, we all know, everything boils down to, to money. That's what it is. It's basically who's going to finance these people who are going to monitor, you know, who's going to finance the, 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 the subcontractors, who's going to, you know, it, and, and that basically that's what it is. It's, it's kind of like there's a stalemate because nobody wants to take it on. And, you know, this GDPR uh, legislation, 
maybe perhaps it's just gone too far that we can't even get but people... Like, we're all part of the European Union. Why are we following European data protection legislation when it seems obvious to me that others aren't and certainly the UK weren't when they were part of the EU? I mean, they're just getting on with what they want to do. But That's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, we seem to you know, toe the line... Oh, yeah. And then, and, then, and then when you do try and do something like Limerick, you have the commit data protection commissioner slapping a 110 grand fine on them. Yeah, this is it. So, it, look, it, it, I, I think that that is the difficulty. And it, look, unfortunately, Neil, we live in a very litigious society. You know, you don't get the same amount of um, litigation in, in other countries. Um, but the bottom line is, uh, look, from what I, from my perspective, I think, you know, we, we absolutely need to protect people's rights to privacy. We need to, we need to protect people's data. And it, like the GDPR legislation is huge. It's a huge body of legislation. There's some really good parts to it. But this is one of the areas where it really, really lets us down. That it if really the Guardian really have it. control of the cameras, record the cameras, store the data in the cameras, use it in a court case against somebody, that person's solicitor could say, yeah, but there's a chance you doctored it. Is that it? I, I would imagine that that's what it is. It's just, you know, you can't, you can't have the same person um, processing the data as, as is going to use it Insane. against somebody in a court. Okay. I, in see, a court of, yeah, I see Sinead Shepherd then over in Cove is saying, she wants to even go further. She says that we need, we need cameras that would increase public safety, deter illegal antisocial behaviour, help prosecute brazen fly tippers and those who don't pick up after their pets with a hefty fine. She wants cameras to pick up people whose dogs poo on the street. Is is that going too far? No, it's not. She's 100% right. Any counselor, you ask any counselor anywhere across the country, you ask any member of the public and they will say, yes, we want CTV cameras in to catch these people. It is one of the greatest, and look, it's one of the greatest kind of stains on our beautiful towns. And you know it came up even more so during COVID because everybody was out walking. Um, And people really did get, you know, people really, really got fed up of the amount of dog fouling and the amount of littering and fly tipping as well, you know. Mm. And it would be such a simple, straightforward thing if we were able to identify these people. Can you imagine, Neil, how much that situation would improve if we but were civil able to... civil liberties would say that you shouldn't have cameras trained on people who are going around doing their thing and not breaking any laws, you see. And th- those people are being filmed and it's being stored against their knowledge and their wishes. That's the problem. What about the people who don't break the law who are also being filmed? Exactly, and that's that's what what GDPR is there to protect. But really and truly, you know, like as you said, like the Guardi, you know, they're the custodians of peace in in our country. You know, the, these are the people who are trying to protect, uh, you know, victims of crime. You know, so like there has to be a better balance. You know, this thing of uh, obviously everybody has a right. To, to, to see their data if there's data being collected and you know they have a right to but, but it must be within reason and we must be able to use that data you know um, in conviction convictions. Yeah, yeah. So, some like, people would yeah, say this it, is it, the PC world gone mad Exactly. Yeah. And I, I'd have to agree wholeheartedly. Like one of the biggest things that we, we have dealt with, in the, you know, especially during COVID when things ha- were quiet, one of the biggest complaints that we got was antisocial behaviour in public places, um, graffiti, littering, dog fouling, 
all of those things. You know, we have we have everything ready to go here. It would in, cut in down on all of that because they'd be easily prosecuted. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, who could argue yeah. with that? Okay. All right, Susan, thanks for taking the call. Fine Gael Councillor Susan McCarthy, text 0868104106. Dash cam footage is often sought by the Gardaí, but very often can't be used if there are other people identifiable unless those people give precise permission. Yeah, and we often hear of the Gardaí appealing for dash cam footage for all sorts of different incidents that they're investigating. Oh my God, Neil now wants facial recognition. He'll be wanting the social credit score of everybody as well. Straight from CCP China. I never said that I wanted it. I said that the UK had moved so fast and so far that they have facial recognition uh, cameras. Um, However, having said that, why would it matter if you weren't breaking the law? A private commercial operation who has CCTV has to redact and pixelate the faces of persons not involved in a specific incident on their system before any footage is handed over to a third party, says Paddy. And rightly so. Uh, Blur anybody else who's not involved in criminality. Uh, GDPR states that a person does not have an automatic right to privacy when in a public location, says Paddy. That's very true, actually. Uh, You know, people can video and take, you know, uh, film with with their mobile phones in public, post them up on Instagram with all sorts of people in the footage. Nothing can be done about that because the people who are videoed and filmed are in a public place. What's the law, if any, on private CCTV, like the one you can fit yourself, says Mary? Well, I heard earlier this morning that it can only be within your own boundary that you own. It can't even be on the public footpath or out onto the road. And just one more here, a question on our CCTV cameras in public areas. Who has our data and who has access to our data? I'm going to tell you. Check it out for yourself. All our information is now being tracked by China. You said they have CCTV cameras in the UK. But there's a big argument going on to take out all their CCTV cameras. But as the UK government now know, they're being spied on by the Chinese. Why do you think the USA wouldn't allow the same system into America? We're dealing with very sensitive information. When I say I never got a scam call or email until the HSE got hacked, your argument will be, well, it could be a coincidence. I say BS. Many Irish people can link our phishing emails, texts and calls. All of that information came originally from the HSE, says Pat. And a final one. Why is so-called witness who could be lying through their teeth more reliable than a camera that can't lie? We need big changes in law legislation in this country, says Anthony, who clearly is an advocate of uh, more cameras. And then on the Garda Shikona, don't forget about the 250 Garda cars they rented and are still renting, says Desi. Well... Better to rent them than not have them. I'm a postman. Uh, I do a lot of driving. Haven't seen a guard in days. One or two more. I, for one, see enough cops on the street. I see them constantly stopping people for tax and insurance. Why are the guardie doing this? It should be up to the insurance companies to police this. It just goes to show, in my eyes, that the guardie are nothing but a tax collection organisation. Well, I hope you never have to come and ask them for, your, for, your, for their help. Councillor Kelleher is a member of Fianna Fáil who's in government. So the matter of Ballancolly Garda Station is his party's fault and responsibility. They and the councillors have failed the people of Ballancolly, says Con by text to 0868104106. Get it off your chest. 
Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106, Red FM. Here's the gas one. One day I was sitting in my car in Harvey Norman's Little Island car park uh, and a couple returned to the car which was parked next to mine. The lady proceeded to get into the passenger side, swung the door open and absolutely belted my door in the process. I rolled down the window and gestured that I wanted to talk to her. When I said that she had just belted my car, she said, may that be the worst of your problems. And drove off. Not so much as an apology. Fortunately, that time it didn't do much more than a light scratch. But people really have no sense of responsibility today, says Joe from Douglas. So we started this morning with people damaging other people's property and driving off. And I told you the story of another person then who saw somebody damage somebody's car, left a note on the damaged car saying, here's the reg of the car that just crashed into your car. And I thought that was a wonderful thing. But that's a good one from Harvey Norman's. I remember years ago, I had pre-booked a seat on Irish Rail to Dublin, right? Um, and I got on it and uh, my name was up over the, the seat number and there was this woman sitting in it and she was uh, reading the Irish Times and doing the crossword and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and I just kind of did a double take and had to stand back for a while and kind of think, you know, what do I do here? Like, what do I say? Uh, so um, I knew that the train was going to get very busy uh, and people started to come on and I was sitting in another person's seat and I kind of moved around because it was another people's seat. So eventually I said to the woman uh, who actually at this stage uh, was um, still reading and doing the Irish Times crossword, I said, sorry, um, you're, you're actually sitting in, in my seat, uh, you know. Um, and she said to me, um, what was the word she used again? She says, uh, your seat, your seat. I hope to God that there's a seat in heaven for the likes of you in the next world. <laughs> I was just looking at her saying, what did she just say? I hope to, he- that I hope, I hope to God you have a comfortable seat in heaven in the next world. And then, so I, I kind of went, I couldn't understand, like as in, I think she was saying, get over it, like. What's the big deal? Is that not kind of a compliment, though? You no, know? she's kind of saying, get over it. Oh, was she? Okay, so oh, she was being she mean. Was she was just being dismissive. Oh, I like. think I'd have to try and figure out what she was saying. She didn't get up and move. Oh, did she not? Oh, okay, no. No, oh, and what was... made it worse was then, I sat down in somebody else's seat, who then got on a mallow, and I had to move from that. And then by the time I was halfway up to Dublin, I had nowhere to sit because oh, the train was full. Musical chairs. Yeah, but I was passing her a little later on, and she was on the mobile phone, and she was mocking me. To a friend. No! Yeah, it was like, it was really funny. Making a big deal out of it, like as if it was a big deal that... Ah, that was she, a bit mean though now. <laughs> fairness. I just, just reminded it there with the person, the Harvey Normans. What was it they said? May this, may me banging your car door be the worst of your problems. Yeah, same. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, I'll leave it at that. Over to you. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106. Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. Uh, somebody wanted to share something with me because I was talking about the woman on the train who said, may your seat in heaven be as pleasant and comfortable as your seat on the train. Except she's sitting in my train. He says, Neil, it reminded me of two, talking about religious things. It reminded me of two little boys who stole a load of apples from a neighbor's apple tree. They decided, they went slogging apples, slogging. We all did it. They then decided to go to a quiet place to share the lot equally. One of them suggested that they go into the nearby cemetery to divide the loot. As they were jumping over the gate to, the, to enter the cemetery, they dropped two apples. But they didn't bother picking up them since they had enough anyway. A few minutes later, this drunk guy on his way from a bar going home passed near the cemetery gate and he heard a voice inside saying, One for you, one for me. 
one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me. He immediately sobered up and ran as fast as he could to the church nearby to get the priest. He says, Father, Father, please come with me. Come and witness God and the devil sharing out corpses at the cemetery. So himself and the priest ran back to the cemetery gate and the voice continued, one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me. Suddenly, the voice inside stopped counting and said, what about the two that we had outside the gate? (laughs) You've never seen two people running so fast, the priest and the drunk. Keep those coming. Text 0868104106. Um, on people queuing for rent. There are people queuing for rent. It was done about 100 people queuing outside a three-bedroom semi-D for rent in Dublin. Uh, they have people queuing so they can filter out the ideal tenant. Young couples in full employment with good wages to give them the opportunity to then increase the rent in future without any hassle, says Billy. Thank you for that, Billy. So they want to get, they have big queues to get the ideal tenant, eyeball them, so they can screw them in the future, he says. Landlords accepting HAP are, HAP are tax compliant. This means that the government give HAP of a thousand euro and the landlord then returns 60% of it back to the government. That's another great idea. You're right. They are HAP landlords and they are tax compliant and they do give 60% of the hat back to the government who gave it to them in the first place. And then on the price of things, I was saying we're down about 36 cents now on unleaded. Well, I knew you guys would come back with cheaper petrol. I was saying 188 for unleaded. The Circle K in Rochester Neil, 186. The Circle K, extraordinarily on the Cabra Road in Dublin, which is a long way from Whitegate Refinery, Circle K in Dublin, 181 for diesel, 177 for unleaded. Why would Circle K have different prices on different forecourts in different parts of the country? 188 in a Circle K in Cork, for instance, and 177 in Dublin. The Swift in Mallow is 182 for diesel, uh, for, for, for diesel and 179 for unleaded. And there's even more than that. Petrol, 180 in Burgess's garage between Killa and York, 180. You'd almost call that cheap, wouldn't you? The Lee Garage on the Model Farm Road, diesel on Friday was 189 and Tuesday went back up to 193 And you just stated that crude oil is continuing to drop. It is. And that's why we should be, and to some extent are, seeing a drop in petrol and uh, diesel. Nowhere near what we want, though. We want it back the way it was, don't we? Anyway, text 0868104106. To the phone lines we go. We're talking about issues involving our healthcare system, issues involving the Garda Shikana and other things like that. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Congratulations. You have a great programme there. Thank, thanks so much. Life, yeah. life. Good man you are. Neil, strikes me, the HSE and the health service executives, the COH, continue, continue, we look for recruits. Now, nurses and medics are hard to come by. And the staff got through very, very difficult They're times. They're all advertising now. The Garda are advertising for staff. The HSE is advertising yeah. for staff. The fire brigade is advertising for staff. Paramedics are advertising for staff. Yeah. Why can't Correct, they get? Yeah. Why can't they get them? They're looking no, for people. I don't know. But here's a suggestion. Here's a suggestion. They they get. We said the, the nurses get approximately two and two to three weeks holidays in comparison to teachers who get two and a half to three months holidays and all paid for by the state. Now, why not get teachers be recruited, we say, for three weeks or four weeks during the summer spell? You're obviously planning for next year now. And be trained to do work that would benefit the health system. 
Now, this would certainly be... I don't, want, I don't want a loved one or myself, for that matter, inside in hospital being dealt with and looked after by a teacher. I want a medic. I know, no, they could do certain work that, that the, the nurse, the profession nurse, obviously the profession doctor, that would be their brief, that would be their job. But the we say a person coming in, such as a teacher or responsible, educated, capable people, would make a mass contribution. And a lot of them, I'm quite sure, would be prepared to put their shoulders to the wheel because there's so much spare time. During the summer, it would certainly be. Uh, wouldn't, a, a great do, you, do you really think and that a good they? Experience for them. But do you really? No, right. no disrespect to you. No, I'm not. I'm, you know, I'm listening to what you're saying. But do you really think that teachers would volunteer to work in the summer? There, so there's even grief with teachers now. They won't. They won't mark the fucking leaving certain junior cert because they won't. Yeah, yeah, but, but this would be something different. This would be something different for them, and the country needs them. The country is calling for them, and they're in a position to turn things around and make it more beneficial and successful. And you think that they'd volunteer for that? Well, I know you, you, you must give an incentive. They're not going to do it for nothing. If I said do it for nothing, there'd be no one whatsoever take any notice of it. But if there was an incentive there, people say, yeah, to be great experience, to be good patriotism, to be good bit of um, citizenship and responsibility to help out a very, very needy cause. Because every week we hear CUH in Cork are top of what probably as tired as Limerick regards to people but being on sollies and on wasting this. Yeah, no, I understand. And another one as I'm on to Just on that, just before you move on to the other one, though, you know the teachers yeah. say that they are paid to work across, to, to, to they are paid across the year, right? And that their, their salary that they're paid is for kind of nine months of the year, uh, but it's spread out over 12 months. Do you follow that? That they say that they're I not do, actually yeah, yeah. doing anything wrong. Their salary is just spread out over the year. Yeah, but my point there, you see, if they have two and a half to three months holidays during the summer, they say, OK, we can give three weeks to, this, to the COH doing administrative work or doing but then we'd behind have, the scenes. But then we'd be paying teachers twice. Well, you use the board and that's on the, on the, um, the health service executive and on the COH. That's my point. OK, OK. okay. Well, OK. Now, the other point I made there some time ago to you was that the free legal aid now, this becomes a bigger, bigger joke every day, every week, every month. That we should adopt the system that they have in Canada, where a fella gets five free legal aids. After that, zero. He must stand on his own two feet, go to court, and defend himself. Because when you hear fellas who have 80 convictions or 90 convictions yeah. or 100 convictions, yeah. getting free legal aid, Mr. It's absolutely ridiculous. Time after time after time. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And the taxpayer paying for it, you and I, and the rest of society paying for it in every possible way. Jeanette, that's my contribution. Have like a good it. day, man. Okay, you too, my brother. Thank you, Michael. So with regards to teachers working in the health system, that's interesting. But I imagine people would have a lot to say about free legal aid time after time after time. Surely, be to God, there should be a cap on it. Uh, and if he says it's five in Canada... Maybe we should look at that as well. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Some great news. Some great news. Remember Eileen was on looking for a friend of her late husband, looking for Gino Driscoll. I have an update on that after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Okay, so many people listening that it's always great when we're able to help and solve things, particularly when someone is looking to reconnect. Eileen Murphy was on the air earlier this morning uh, looking for a friend of her late husband, Michael Tacker, who died in 2004. And the friend that she was looking to hook up with and reconnect with was uh, 
her husband's best friend for many, many years, Jean O'Driscoll. And I'm happy to say and to tell Eileen, Eileen... Hello, Neil. We have I'm found... Here we found Jean O'Driscoll. <laughs> you found yeah. him? He's on the phone here yeah. with me so you can say good morning to him. Oh, my God. Jean... Uh, Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. oh my oh, yeah. God! I've been, I've been looking for you. I was only thinking about, about him this morning. Well, yeah. That's this true. Oh I'm God. sitting down there now. I was only oh. thinking about him this morning. <laughs> yeah. How are you so, keeping, Jean? I'm, I'm very, very good. Oh, I, see, I know. Uh, how I'm eighty-three like. now. But you're not going to believe this. Let uh-huh. me tell you something. I'm caring for Mary. Mary for a long She is. Right. We'll be married 56 years next week. 56 yeah, years. We're together over 60 years. Well, we would have been 58 this Christmas. No, we got married before you. That's right, yes, yes. yes. So, Michael, but we were great friends. I know you, we? but she, she, you were with yeah. him the night I met him. That's right, that's yeah. right, on the arcade, yeah. <laughs> that's right, I remember it. Oh, we were my only, God, children, Jean, We were only so, young children. I'm then. so happy <laughs> to hear your voice, even. Listen, yeah. any, any chance that we could meet? Of course, yeah, I can come on up here. No, I have, I look after Mary. Yes. I'm looking after, she fell in 2014 and broke her hip. Oh, did she? And then things started deteriorating. Right. And uh, things turned out like that, there was other problems. Yeah, I can't find a say there, just at the moment. Yeah. But like, uh, it, it was kind of... Alzheimer's. Yeah. So oh I God, care for. Yeah, I care oh, for Mary, Mary now. Lovely. Yeah. Yes, do yeah. yeah. Oh my. And God. tell me, with, without wanting to. Yeah, without wanting to interrupt your lovely chin wag and get together. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you grew up not far from Tacker Jean, didn't you? Just correct me if I'm we wrong were, here. Now you were railway cottages in Anglesey Street. And he was in, he was in the South Terrace. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I was next to Langford. Remember Langford? Yeah. yeah. There the, the big red buildings that we know of would have been tenements back in the day, Eileen was telling me. Many yeah, families yeah. living in them. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yes. And did you well, hang up? Did you, did you knock about together, was it? Oh, we did, yes. On motorbikes <laughs> and everything. She had a motorbike. <laughs> 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 we used to go all over the place in the morning. And when you went down to the Ark, who would be playing in the Ark in the 1960 oh, okay. 61? In the 60s, uh, you could have anyone in there. Like, yeah, you could uh, have anyone there. The, the, the top men, like, well, at the start, the, the Jimmy Shen was one of the first fellas. Yeah, Mick Delahunty? Mick Delahunty. And, well, he was a bit before me, like. Yeah, I'm okay. only 83 <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> but all the show bands would have come along, wouldn't they? Oh yeah, Miami and uh, all that, and the Dixies, uh, the, Dixies, the Royal. Joe, yeah. Joe yeah, lived next yeah. to me as well, you know. Joe Mack. Joe Mack was eighty-seven Mac, last week. How old is he? Oh, feck, I think he was 87. He'll kill me now. He's, if I get nah, he's not, he's not. He's <laughs> not that at all. Last Sunday we he, I'd say he's about 85. 
was it? No, he's 87, Jean. Yes, he. We were in the scouts together, Joe and myself. He was 87 because right. Bernard McCarthy was That's on to me to wish Joe Mack yeah, a happy 87th wish, yeah, last yeah. Sunday. You wished him happy I didn't birthday. think I was that young. I didn't <laughs> think I was that young. <laughs> R- I you were Railway cottages in yeah. Anglesey yeah. Street. Yeah. Would, would the train would the trains going west along have been? Oh yes, they used to drive up the back of the house and the front. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, yeah, that's right. And Actually, we had a boys. Sure, I met your mum and dad. That's right. Yes, and they were there. They'd for and years. Poor, yeah. Poor Brenda. Brenda, and Brenda, me. and she was married to. Uh, the boy wanted the boy have any show then yeah. in the morning. And yeah. tell me, Jean, why? Tell me, Jean, why did you call Eileen's husband Tacker? I don't know. I don't. We were at school together, and you everyone were, had nicknames, didn't they? Did you have you one? Jean uh, Artery used to call me. Oh, no. you might be of course, I remember. He was a cowboy. He was a cowboy actor, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's oh, right. He used to play cowboys and Indians a lot, I'm told, was it? That's right. That's right. That's no. right. And we, do you know what we had when we got yeah. something? A wheel of a bike and a stick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we'd be running, running along the road with a wheel yeah. and a, a bit of stick hitting the wheel. We had no bikes that yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I tell oh you, that's a good old place. And we played golf as well. Go away. You know yeah. the way we used to play with a holly? <laughs> Pretend. <laughs> a holly and a, a, a golf ball and oh hitting them into God. the water holes. You lift up the hole and try and hit it in. <laughs> so I, that's the only time I ever played golf is with a holly. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, yeah. you two have a lot to talk about and catch up we on. Have, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, listen, you yeah. have my number now. Uh, yeah. Will, I, 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 you you'd have to say, I, I tell you the truth. I, what, love? I, we don't even have a television or a radio. Would you believe that? Why is that? You don't. don't because it, it affected my wife. Oh, it, I see. She, I see. You see, she has to... Yeah. Yeah. You're very kind to her, in fairness to you, Jean. You're, co- you're committed and dote on your wife, and that's lovely. I well am. Well done. Jean, like, are, are you still down in Glown Town? Uh, no, I got over that. I got over that. Did you move? I'm not sure whether you had moved or not. Uh, I did. I got over there, yes. And we, we went back to the cottages then for a while, but then really got a bit bad, and I, I moved in for a while now, but... Yeah, but you had, but you, I mean, you reared a family and everything, in fairness to you. What did you oh, work? Oh, yes, yeah. I, I, I was a confectioner by trade. Where are you? Well, and I also, Neil, do you remember Father Rocks? Yes, I do. Yes. I, 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 I actually started that for Father Rock. Get away. With a small cooker, and we ended up <laughs> supplying <laughs> Apple Computer, Lovertron, Sent him Ralph's hospital. We did yeah. a shop in the market, a shop on the front. It was a multi thing yeah. national. Like, there was yeah. more. Yeah. We, were, yeah. Yeah. we were bringing in money. I actually met, I was telling her in India, I met Terry Wogan down there. Yeah. He was making a program for yeah. the BBC, but it never got finished. Whatever happened, I don't know. But my son actually introduced me to him. He said, This is Terry Wogan here. 
I said, I'm really pleased to meet you, Mr. Morgan. <laughs> you know, but he gave it was a great thing there, so like. How long ago you, was that? How long ago, how, how long ago was that Nin- when you... Terry Wogan. I think to be 1994. I, I came out of it in 1997. And were you making cakes, was it? And selling oh, them? Oh, yeah. yeah. For Harrington's. At five o'clock in the morning, yeah. Go away. Yeah, That's right. For Harrington's, yeah. What kind of cakes so, did I, you I, make? I, what kind? Were they all the cork ones? Uh, we had the biggest sale of stones, I'd say, in the whole of Ireland. <laughs> I used to do, there was only three of us there, and we used to yeah. do three tolls, no, no, two tolls and scones a morning, store the bread, <laughs> cakes, inside the smallest bakery in Ireland. Oh, there go. Yeah. Yeah. Can yeah. I ask you a question, Gene? Can you, can you, make, can you make Chester cake? Sure, I can make anything. Okay. I was 80, 80 years of age when the, uh, one of my last sons got married and I made a five-tail wedding cake. <laughs> oh. Easy. It's five-tails, yeah. Oh. Really, yeah. Did you ice it and everything? Oh, well, you decorated, yeah. <laughs> I used to do what oh I actually worked in. I worked in every bakery in Cork. Get away. I could, yeah. I, could, I okay. worked in Armour of the Hounds, Harrington's and the main one, of course. I worked in Thompson's where my father worked and my grandfather worked. Ah, for God's sake. That's incredible. Yes. I worked here, but only I could never... I I never got a full time job, but I was there for a good few years Ah, as well. With Keith. And I I, I met Keith Thompson once or twice. I was speaking to him as well. And... uh, you know, he was just nice. Somebody man. said that Michael Harrington was buried last Friday. Would you have known Michael Harrington? My, oh, God, rest him. I didn't even know Keith. I, I, I didn't even yeah. know that. Like, he, he, he was a great friend of mine, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. We were exactly the same age. I worked for him and his brother in Church Street so did, by Shandon. Did you go up I with, so you say you grew up with Joe Mack, did you? I grew up with Joe Mack. We were yeah. in the schools together. Because if you ring him and ask him... Joe Mack is still playing every Sunday inside in Canties. Why didn't you go in there for a quart? I, I, I can't even get out for 10 minutes. I'm a, a full-time mm, yeah. carer, 168 hours a week. Every 365 days in the year, and I'm doing it on my own. I've never got any assistance from anyone. I've no help whatsoever. Only my son gets the messages. I do everything. And you know what has to be done when the person has that kind of an illness. I don't have to go. She was a pure. Really, she's sitting down next to me. We'll have to meet up, boys. We'll have to meet up. I'm 82 now, myself. Hey, yeah, I'm only 83, sir. But I signed the house to be lying. Where am I going to tell you to just kneel before you go on, Eileen? Yes. I fell down the stairs in February of my son's house. Yeah? I fell down the stairs... Right, off of a chair. I was trying to clean the stairs. Oh, my God. The cobwebs and fell down the plate of stairs. I broke my collarbone. Oh, for God's sake. I broke on my right side. I broke two ribs on my left side. Oh, man. I broke two ribs and 
I had all the computer put my neck and my back and everything. Oh, my God. But I still looked after my wife. <laughs> oh, that time. Even then, I couldn't even lift myself over the bed. Mary was trying to lift me over the bed at times. Yes. But I never. But I tell you something. This one man will do something for me. Because, you know, I hate them from the city. But those young fellas and those young girls inside, when I stopped at that place with Father Rock, inside with the the bakery and and the restaurant as well. Yeah. It was one of the busiest places in... Yeah. But, you need, so but, you, but you need extra help, don't you? Really? Intrigued. I do, but I don't know how. I, I told you, need. I don't have a television. I don't but what, if I have just, radio. If, if I was to send Paddy O'Brien around to you, you must know Paddy. I mean, he'd help and inter- yeah. inter- he'd do intervene on your behalf. Yeah, well, you see, there's so many things to do, and now you haven't got the time. I know, but let's help you, you with know? that. We can help you with that. Yeah. 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 All right. Let, let me get yeah, on yeah, to Paddy. No, 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 listen, no. My, friend, my family are very good. We're not disputing that. Yeah. 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 No, I have five we, children. Yeah. No, each and every one of them, they drink every day. But they know yeah, the kind yeah. of... I didn't tell them what was wrong with my wife for yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. Right. And actually one of my sons wrote to the doctor and the doctor sent me over there to come in and see me. I haven't seen you for a few years. Yeah. So I went in and I he examined me I said, doctor, you don't have to tell me. I know what's wrong. Yeah. And I broke up crying. Mm. Yeah. 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 Parkinson's yeah. and Alzheimer's. I said, I know Alzheimer's what's dementia. wrong. So he said, you're making a fine job. Keep going. Yeah, yeah but like... No, I've can... also been to the professor and everything and and, and yeah. something else. We go up there and he gave me his number. I can ring him any time. But do you have home help, help coming him. in? Do you not have home help coming in a couple no, of times a day? I never had anything like that. Ah, uh, well, we need never to help him. Never had anything like that. No, my family are very good and I But I wouldn't have them do it. There is no one can look after a person with that disease properly yeah. unless you, someone, just one person to do it, and you would keep their minds longer going on. You're totally I, devoted to her. I understand that. Why wouldn't oh, you? Yeah, no, we're yeah, yeah we we're the best friends. Yeah. No, yeah. I could get killed, yeah. or you yeah. don't know what. The way I sure I know, but I'm just thinking if there's help available, and there is, then let's get let's get yeah. some extra. You know what? Because I'd love that to happen for you, and as well, I was yeah. thinking, wouldn't it be nice if Jean and Eileen and I don't know whether Mary is up to go, but I'm trying. No, she to, wouldn't, and I, I couldn't get out. I couldn't get out. She could go I have been with her. I'm with her twenty four hours a day. Does, does Mary ever go really? out though? Oh, she goes out. We take her out. She goes out for a walk. Oh, she's fitter than myself now. Really? Because I've organised afternoon tea for all of you guys in the Metropole Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. We were on touch there. We actually got married in the Metropole Hotel. See, I think we were just in touch with Aaron Mansworth, the the GM there, and he's mad looking forward to all of you, a bunch of you going up for either lunch or if you go for afternoon tea, Gene, you'll get all of the cakes as well. You can test out their cakes. (laughs) I I think it would be a lovely thing for, for you and for... Um, you know, 
Mary to Eileen, oh, I should say, to... Lovely. Kat- I'd like, yeah. But, like, I, I mean, would have to be there. Yeah, I no, I mean... How long, oh, yeah. how long it would last, you would you like know, to, Would like, you like to go and all meet up I for would, afternoon tea? I'd love to get up for, uh, for, yeah, for uh, you know, like, for... Just, as well. for, I don't know, would Mary be up to... Would you but, be up to it, Mary? We can work it out. Yeah. We were married in the Metropole Hotel and we still have yeah, yeah. the photographs. And you want, you want to see the two of us? You know? Million we dollars. look at the pictures now and again. You know, we go back over the... We have yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? God, that would be still lovely, have, Yeah. That would be lovely to meet the three of us. It would be lovely to be talking to you. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, like my God, tell, I can't might I can't be able to, this. Yeah, I, I, I was only thinking of right. this morning. Okay. I don't well, know, yeah. like, my, I call him Michael when we were on company, but when we were together, we had yeah. our own nicknames. I know, you know, exactly. we were great I know. And we were on more of the boys. Yeah, I could tell you some of the albums about that. But I'd yeah, say something. Yeah. yeah. There was someone said to me that I should actually write a book but I wouldn't have the time. And I don't think I did. Well, I tell you something, you've given, you've given people an awful lot of joy now in your conversation with me and yeah. in being with Eileen this morning, sharing your stories. Yeah. So I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, Eileen, you're, you're yeah. going gonna to catch up with him anyway, either way, and have a good yeah. long chat as to whether yeah. it happens in the Metropole. Yeah. I hope it does. I hope we can work that out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would you like that, I Eileen? Fo- yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I would. Lovely. Would you like it, Eileen? I'd love to see you. Yeah, I'd love to see you. And your family, like, yeah. Okay. So let's make... Can we arrange a deal? Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. Yeah, you'll have to kind of arrange it. Absolutely, there's no rush. The offer is there. We'll make it happen. And if help is needed to make it happen, we'll get you all sitting down over tea and cakes and sandwiches and all sorts of nice things. Because the Metropole are mad keen to meet you. You got married there, man. You should go back with Mary. I got married there. We've all the four. You see this? Uh, no, I mean, let's let's get you in there. And there well. Yeah. I mean, I walked, I walked in the metropole at one Did you? That's that right, Eileen. Yeah? yeah. That's, I didn't know that, no. Well, I was I across did. the road in Thompson's. I spent yeah, a good few really, years in Thompson's really. Bakery. Well, Eileen, they'd yeah. love to see yeah. you back as well. I know. That's it. I know. I, I, yeah. Oh, I know. beautiful photographs taken on the stairs and... In the metropolitan. Yeah. I know. Hold on, hold on there a second. I, I'm going to talk to Paddy O'Brien in a moment. I just want to talk to Chrissy. Chrissy. Hello, Neil. How are you? Are you telling me that Eugene made your son's wedding cake in 2011? In <laughs> 2011, Jean. I still can't believe it. It was my God. Yeah. I said, I did. You came out of retirement that time. You came out of retirement to make it for Jan and Mary. Oh, John and Mary, that's right. And tell me, Chrissy. I must have made thousands of them, Chrissy. <laughs> thousands. I was doing them full time in the marina. And I used to do was it a nice cake? Oh, it was gorgeous. Oh, yes. All royal icing, not the old stuff, no, Dad. And tell me, Chrissy. That Did they pull, just only Marla, no, Marla. Dad. Like, you know, we had in the school. <laughs> the, the, the real stuff. And, the, and Chrissy, the fruit didn't sink in it or anything, no? 
The secret is probably the whiskey, I suppose, is it, Jane? Yeah, or, sorry, Neil, I missed that. I said the secret is probably the whiskey in the cake, is it? <laughs> well, there was a lot. I still have, my son was married three years ago. Right? And you made the cake. Right. The last, uh, I made a five-tier cake, and I Please. still have two quarters of that cake <laughs> left. <laughs> and you can still eat it. Go on. Eat I'll tell you something, right. though, before you go. John Lyons, God rest of me, working in the UCC, I made his cake, and after four years, he brought back the top tier. That was the old thing you'd done long ago. Yeah. Bring back the yeah. top. Here to be re iced. I re iced it after four years and sent it back to him. For the first time, that'll tell you the longer they're there, the, the better more mature they get. Let that be a lesson to us all. Let that be a lesson to yeah. us all. Chrissy, yeah. thanks so much. I just want to have a quick chat with Paddy O'Brien. I don't know how much of the okay. conversation he heard. Hold on there, Gene, if you don't okay. mind, Eileen, as well. Paddy. Eileen, okay. God bless you. No, no, hang on, Gene, you're all right about it. Hang on, away, Hang on a second. Paddy, can you hear me? All right. I can hear you well, <coughs> Neil. Okay, okay. You see, Gene is... Look, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. How are you, Paddy? How are you keeping? I'm very well. I will drop up to see you some afternoon. Yeah, we yeah. can have a chat and see, and see how you're situated. But I must say that you're, you're making yeah. a lot of people very, very happy this morning with that lovely chat with Dale Fendable. You come over as a very sincere person. You love your wife and you're a happy, happy, happy person. And you deserve yeah. now a bit of help so that you can continue yeah. with this happiness. Um, I'll yeah. get the number, Seamus, and I'll pop up yeah. some afternoon and we'll have a chat above in your house or in, in my yeah. car, well, with what, well, whatever you I, wish to do. I, I'm actually in the son's house now at the moment. We'll make I it up. Down. Don't yeah, worry, Gene. We're like, if there's yeah. one man in Cork can get you help you that you need, it's the great Paddy yeah. O'Brien. So Paddy, this is great you. for you. This will happen. There yeah. will be help. There well, will be help. Neil, I'll tell you something. If I can get in touch with me, Hal Martin, and he know the position that I'm in at the moment, I'm nearly at, I'm nearly at breaking point. At times I do feel like throwing in the towel, but I still keep going. But I'm not doing it on my own. You I need to do it. Ricky. It's the Lord that's helping me. I know. The Lord. I, I yeah. haven't been to yeah. Mass. No, I can't go to Mass or anything. For since we got the coronavirus, I don't get to Mass anymore. Yeah. You know? And nice. I'm sad for that. All right. Well, Jean, I can, go, I can see yeah. you any time at all. All right. And we'll sit down, we'll have a really chat, and we'll see what you want, and I'll do my very, very best to help you. I know you, you will. Over, over to you, problem. Paddy. All right, over to you, Paddy. Yeah. Over to you, Paddy. Yeah. All right. Paddy, Listen, Jean, Eileen, yeah. Um, yeah. Hook, up, hook up. Make sure you make a date. Oh, we Organise yeah. a time. Yeah. Let me know if yeah. you need transport to and from the uh, uh, Metropole. Yeah. Actually, I can, I'm driving. I'm still driving. Whatever. Still we'll, uh, don't don't worry about it. We'll organise. We can organise cars and stuff. So you'll go I there because... I you... the outside the door there. That's my ambulance for the wife. Well, She's it, in the oh, back yeah. and I'm in the front. It'll be a wonderful thing if we can make it happen in the Metropole. I chat yeah. with you. I'm delighted <laughs> yeah. for you, Eileen. Yeah. Happy to have helped you to find Jean. Thanks, Thanks Eileen. Thank you very much, Need. Jean, we God need bless you, Eileen. 
I feel oh, free for the men anyway. I feel oh, free for a man at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. I, I every know. day, every life, I and I say in my prayers, I say a few prayers. All right. And I, yeah, I yeah. think of all our days, yeah. and I think of yeah. all our living. Yeah. And yeah. one yeah. thing I say to people every day, please God yeah. protect my family, That's keep them it. from all harm, That's and it. keep us from harming anybody and yeah. people some self-harm. That's my we prayer. And there's one, little pr- yeah, there's one little prayer, a very, very short one, that I say every day of my life. Yes. And it keeps me going. The Lord is my shepherd. Yes, yes. There's nothing we shall want. Thank you, Eileen. You're welcome. We will meet you. We'll meet again. Yeah, Don't know we'll where. We'll meet again. Don't know when. 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 I hope we'll meet again some sunny day. God bless for now. We'll talk again God soon, all of you guys. Right. Take care. Bye. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818 104 106. Oh, yeah. What a beautiful conversation. It was great to be part of that, even just listening half the time and trying to stay out of their way as they chatted together. Beautiful thing. Delighted, Eileen and Jean. And Paddy O'Brien is on board with regards to the, the help that he will need. So all good. And hopefully the Metropole will happen as well for all. And thank you to Aaron. I just We just picked up the phone. He said, absolutely. Tell them, come on in. We'd love to see them. So hopefully we'll make... It will happen. It will happen. It's all about the timing of it. Meanwhile, can I just open the phone lines, if you don't mind? Because yesterday I ran out of time. I have 250 euro vouchers to give away for JJ Walsh's, the new heritage bar that opens on Oliver Plunkett Street. Today, it opens today. Newly renovated bar. I'll tell you more about it again tomorrow, but it's a 250 euro voucher that you'll spend in there on the food and the drink and all sorts of lovely things, cocktails and whatever you're having yourself, all of the food source from the uh, the English market. So get dialing. Here's the deal. 60 seconds on air to tell me about your favourite place in Cork and why. Whoever tells the best story within their 60 seconds wins the daily prize. I should be able to do two of them today, and if I don't get them today, I'll do them tomorrow, but I'm certainly going to do one now. I was at the Cork and a Fork Princess Street uh, dine on the street last night. It was absolutely incredible. Tables all the way along Princess Street, all of the restaurants serving course after course after course. There was live music there. There was just a fantastic buzz. It was a beautiful summer evening because it stayed dry and everybody had their wine and their drinks and their pints and stuff like that and food was served from all of their... It was just a fabulous thing and that's happening right across the next four or five days as part of Cork's uh, Cork on a Fork. I'll tell you more about it tomorrow and where you can get more information. I might just go close out this morning by people giving people the link for Cork on a Fork where you can see everything online. So if you don't mind, I'll just do that. But more family passes to give away again this morning. Don't call on this just yet, just for the vouchers to get on the air for your 60 seconds, your favourite place in Cork and why. And just before I finish, I'll be giving away some more wonderful uh, family passes to different tourist attractions. And I want to spend just a couple of minutes just chatting about yet another great tourist attraction who have sent me family passes. And that is Charles Fort in Kinsale. And Brendan Shields is the guide down there. And briefly will join me by phone. Good morning to you, Brendan. Thanks for taking the call. Hi, Neil. Uh, Good to talk to you. You too, because this goes back... Was it Charles I, was it, or what? Uh, Charles II, Neil. The second. How how old is it so? It's going right back 340 years. Oh, my God. Right back to the 1680s. And the history... Because the whole... 
country was dotted with forts all over and we had our fair share of them in Cork amongst them Charles Fort in Kinsale in incredible condition it is in it's in fantastic condition it's uh, 12 acres inside the walls here uh, all of the walls and bastions have survived in, in great condition really and there are ongoing works in as well inside the fort were they ever pummeled those walls by cannon and shot uh, it was only attacked once which was way back in 1690 and this was during the wars between James II and William of Orange. So if you think of the Battle of the Boyne, that whole period, gotcha. uh, the same thing happened here in Kinsale. Yeah, yeah. Star-shaped, is it? Big star-shaped structure. Uh, it is, yeah. So you have massive, five massive bastions, uh, the biggest one uh, upwards of 50 foot high on, on the seaward side, and uh, massive ramparts as well. And the idea being with the starship fort, it was a follow-on really from the castles, so it gave you better cover um, you know, against artillery fire, basically. So if I was a tourist, what would I see? Well, basically you'll see 12 acres to walk around, some fantastic views of the harbour. We have three exhibition centres. Our main exhibition particularly has audiovisuals, models, interactive displays, artefacts. And we have some of the old photographs of Charles Fort and even a little hand-pulled fire engine to see as well. Unreal. Uh, so it's uh, quite, quite a, a good day out for, you know, for a family or for particularly anyone who's interested in history. Uh, or just, as I say, on top of all that, you have the beautiful views as well. Of course. And, and I know it's open right across the summer until the end of October, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And people can book what? And online or just rock down? There's a kiosk well, there, you, isn't there? You, you can just uh, rock up, Neil. You can also book online if you wish. Now, in fact, we're open the whole year. Um, our winter hours then would be 10 ah, to 5. So we're I open see. the whole year through Barra about a week at Christmas. Go on we're before you go. Day, yeah. tell, tell me, go on. Tell us the story of the white lady at Kinsale. Come on. Uh, well, the White Lady story the haunted goes back legend. To, <laughs> the White Lady story goes back to the early history. Uh, there was a very strict governor here, Governor Warrender. He had a very beautiful daughter uh, named Wilful, and she married uh, an officer on the fort called Trevor Ashurst. So they had a wedding reception here in the fort, and um, towards evening, the new bride and groom went for a nice romantic walk, as you would, along the battlements. And they came up to the bastion, the Charles Bastion, and the new bride, Wilful, was looking over the parapet there and she saw some beautiful flowers at the base of the cliff. So she asked her new husband if he'd be gallant enough to go down and retrieve the flowers. So he said, of course I will, my dear, but in the meantime, would you mind going back to the reception area and just see that everyone, everyone is okay? So uh, Wilful, the new bride, uh, left the scene and Trevor, who was a, a true gentleman, turned around to the sentry who was on duty on the bastion and he ordered him to climb down with his flowers. <laughs> That's uh, why he sent her away. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yes. Not wanting to risk his own neck, you understand. <laughs> and um, so, uh, now this was a problem for the sentry because it was very serious if you left your post. So they came to a compromise. Uh, Trevor, the new groom, uh, decided to switch places. So he took the sentry's musket and grey coat and uh, the sentry went on his way. And wisely enough, the sentry didn't actually clamber over the wall. He took the long route. He went out the gate and, and back around the outside. So he was actually gone for some time. So unfortunately, uh, Trevor, I suppose, was a bit tired and emotional and maybe had imbibed a little bit on his wedding day. So Trevor fell asleep on sentry duty. No, he would have got away with this, except at that time, Governor Warrender, his new father-in-law, was giving a guided tour to all the visitors and dignitaries. And as he approached the bastion, uh, he hailed, he called for the sentry, but he got no response, of course, Trevor being fast asleep. So he moved up closer, and 
to his horror, he found this sentry, as he thought, asleep on duty, so without hesitation, shot him dead on the spot. He shot his son-in-law dead? He did, shot him dead. So she and, then, uh, of course, discovered this. I wish I had more time. And she oh, was she did, absolutely she horrified. What did uh, she do? She became completely distraught because she immediately recognised her husband. She went up to the bastion and threw herself over the side. Oh, my and, God. Uh, so a very sad story. And to this day, people have reported seeing the white lady wandering through the, the ramparts and through the fort. Have you seen her of a nice uh, when you're looking up? I haven't seen off? her. I think there was a lot of sightings when the hippies used to live there in the early 70s, but uh, <laughs> that could have different, uh, uh, you know... Great story. Thanks for sharing it. Wonderfully told. Thanks, Brendan. Cheers. Okay, in about two or three minutes' time, we'll give away uh, four family passes for Charles Fort and Kinsale. Meanwhile, Anne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How okay, are you? I'm great. You have 60 seconds, right, to tell me of where you love in Cork and why. And your clock starts now. Y'all, y'all, our little piece of heaven we call y'all. From Frankfurt to Castle, we done it all. From the cornfield hotel to the Walter Valley, we walked it too. And years ago, we busted and cycled with a few. The many friends we made along the way. From Cork to the town in our heyday. And now we're back to staying in our mobile home. In a place we call y'all our second home. The prize is from young and the festivals they gave, from walking the rocks and exploring a cave. And the highlights of our weekend, we went out to our man and supported our friends. Owen O'Brien was our main man, he completed till the end. I'm proud to say we were of our lovely friends, and not to forget our Vacancy, who won the junior man for us the second wrapped up in a day. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Yay is right. Not quite 60 seconds, but a great story on y'all. Hang in there, actually, because after this clock finishes, I think I have uh, Francis. Yeah. Are you y'all as well? I am. As your favourite place? Yeah. Okay. That, we went to start. Okay, okay. Let, uh, now I'm going to get you to start as soon as the clock resets here. 60 seconds starts now. Okay. I was born in 1959, so my earliest memories, Neil, are being taken down to y'all with my mother. My father died in 1967. So we used to all go down to y'all, nine of us and my mother. And like you were talking about the other day, six or seven of us would be told, you go ahead and tell them and I have the tickets, right? Don't tell y'all anyway, get off the train, the beautiful smell of the salt on the beach. We'd, my mother would be after making the sandwiches and the tea. And there was more sand it with those sandwiches than anything else. The butter was after melting. The Murray's was always plain. I don't believe in if anymore. Every time I hear that song, I think of it. That was our treats on Sunday. We'd come home on the five or six o'clock train. I don't remember which one it was. Again, go ahead. I have the tickets to tell the man. We never knew what she was doing for. Yay! I don't believe in if anymore. That was the one, wasn't it? If. An if's an illusion yeah just an every time I hear it I think of the Murray's it's the salt on the chips I want not the salt on the sea hang on a second then we see how Mary gets on in Cantork Mary good morning okay 60 seconds right I think you've chosen Cantork okay. your favourite place and your clock starts now Cantork my hometown a thriving business in residential area on entering from the Cork side you will pass the magnificent stone wall of Greenham Park Adorned by blooming hanging biscuits, courtesy of the Tidy Towns Committee. 
continue over the bridge and stop and admire the poetry and painting directed on the railings of a Bryan Street Park by the wonderful arts festival organisers. Take a stroll over the bridge with the original town park boasting a bronze sculpture of Hennessy he's stepping to your eyes. Across the river, you can observe the human stone building of the now-closed quarters, where Sean Mylan and his men of the South were interned. Adjacent to that is the imposing structure of Kentop Church. Now take a stroll down Strand Street, park for a while under the watchful eye of the town clock, shoot the breeze with the locals, or pop into Cafe Dia for their award-winning coffee. Or you can sit and read a book from a brand-new library or a lovely quaint bookshop. South of Kentuck is the impressive castle, named locally as the old court overlooking the banks of Bogwheel. So that's where I hoped to, in my days, where I started them in Kentuck. Well said. I want to go to Kentuck following that. I really do. You should be a tour guide. I called to see you, I called to see you. You'd have tea wet, I'd say. You need to, I would. You need to be the tour guide for Kentuck. Do you hear me? Thank you, Neil, very much. I love it. All right. Oh my God, it's a hard call this morning. Mary Crowley, Francis, Aran Moynihan. Who's going to pick a winner for a 250 euro voucher for JJ Walsh's? Oh my God, I don't want to make the call. Somebody else make it after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 Red FM. All right, Francis. Yeah. I can't send you down to Yaw, but I will send you down to J.J. Walsh's. I can't bring you back to the 1960s, but I can bring you back to around about 1910. Oh my God in this beautiful new heritage bar from that gorgeous story. I wish I could give everyone a prize, but we're going to take one winner per competition. Oh, so, a 200 euro... I said it in, re- in memory of my sisters as well, because all three of them are dead. All right. So and you all I went down to you all on the train story. together. Well, listen, you know, raise a glass to them or a cocktail. Have some food yeah, and a few drinks. Get a whole bunch of family and friends oh, together. Thank you so You're welcome. Much. Enjoy. Take care. Bye. We ran out of time, actually, because I was going to do two of those competitions. I promised tomorrow being Friday, we can have a lot more fun. So we'll do two of those. So think of Cork. 60 seconds in your favourite place in Cork and why. And we'll do two different lashes of it tomorrow for two 250 euro vouchers. Our lines are open now. Four family passes for Charles Fort in Kinsale. Get dialing now and take the tribe off on a summer's day to Charles Fort in Kinsale and then down into Kinsale itself for a bit of food. Maybe hit Dino's or something like that. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.